When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Morena, New Zealand, good morning on this uh, Thursday morning. Uh, but wet uh, around the Hawke's Bay region. I think the uh, whole country's been copping it relentlessly, so just hope that uh, you're drying out wherever you are. And uh, for the next three hours, we'll try to keep you entertained with uh, some boxing to begin with. We've got uh, Liam Lonigan, of course, uh, son of Dean Lonigan, but um, a promoter in his own right. And, and uh, the Lonigan boys are putting on this show tonight, this Fight for Life at Event Finder Stadium. Uh, so, yeah, and uh, news coming through yesterday... No Kevi Mialamu, so uh, what uh, is uh, in the offing for those uh, fans that are going along and those that can purchase it on Sky tonight. Uh, at 9.30, we're going to catch up with our very own Ricky Swinnell. Uh, Ricky's uh, on the other side of the world at the moment doing her own thing, but that includes uh, finishing and writing a book called Seven Sisters, which is out today. We'll ask uh, Ricky uh, more about that uh, book. It's about our wonderful Black Ferns Sevens squad. Uh, and uh, also we've got a, a panel. <clears throat> we have a panel we're around about uh, 10.20 this morning. This morning it's Andrew Gordy and Aidan McLaughlin. Uh, we'll have talk back uh, as well in that hour. Um, we're struggling a little bit for a bit of a subject aside from the All Blacks. I, I mean, we can always get calls for the All Blacks and what you think might happen. Uh, we, we are s- expecting at some stage today some sort of announcement from uh, New Zealand Rugby on uh, where they're going in terms of the, the coaching side of things. Uh, we'll have a, a pacing for purpose horse for you throughout the show and a greyhound as well to raise uh, money for our charity, Women's Refuge. And just straight after uh, 11 o'clock as well, uh, Ricardo Ball will come in with his vast footballing knowledge to add to the show. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, prediction time. Those baying for Ian Foster's blood will be disappointed today. He will be retained, probably on notice, but he will be taking the All Blacks to South Africa, and I wouldn't be expecting any other drastic changes either. Uh, in New Zealand rugby, we'll have an in Fozzie We Trust press conference at some point, and business will resume. Of interest, though, may well be the makeup of Fozzie's assistants, where there'll be a shifting of the deck chairs at all in that department. Joe Smith has to be in the group island of gone left us some lessons which Joe probably taught them. Now it's our turn to pick his rugby brain. Uh, prediction number two, Fight for Life tonight will be a raging success. It's a great shame Kevin Mialamu is out on the eve of the event. Rumour was he was primed and ready to go, but those Lonigan lads always put on a good show and King Carlos won't disappoint. And I'm picking the Toffee Pops body won't disappoint either, even the 46-year-old version of it. Prediction number three, There will be more to come over the intriguing story of the Juventus women's football team performing the Haka pre-match in their dressing room for the last five years because they believe it to be lucky. Taught to them by New Zealand international Katie Roode, who was on their books at one stage, they continue to use it even though she has moved on because its performance has coincided 
with a terrific run of success. Apparently, they should have sought permission from Ngāte Toa before even considering its use. Sport New Zealand and New Zealand football are under the gun for not educating our sporting people on the significance and meaning and preservation of the mana of the culture, particularly when overseas. Watch the space on that one. Well, the big night is tonight. The Fight for Life takes place at Event Fighter Stadium and will be live on Sky Arena for those at home. The big news to come out yesterday was that Kevin Mialamu was deemed unfit to fight in the main event against uh, Wairangi Kupo uh, after a routine health checkup found that he had an irregular heartbeat. So now the fight between Carlos Spencer and Paul Fatuera will be the main event, but it's all for a great cause with proceeds going towards Mike King's I Am Hope Foundation. And one man who's been working tirelessly behind the scenes is promoter Liam Lonigan, who joins us uh, this morning. Good morning to you, Liam. How are you, Smithy? Oh, I'm good, mate. Uh, long time no see. I haven't seen you since uh, you since you've become the man that you are in the shadow of the, of the, of your father. So tell us what what uh, influenced you into getting into event management, mate. <laughs> I uh, yeah, man. I remember sitting in uh, sitting in radio studios watching you on the big screen talking to the old man. It's, uh, mate, I've just been around my whole life, you know. It's photos of me at Fight for Life when I was five years old, holding up signs saying "Go Dad." And uh, mate, it's got a real rich history for me and my family. And mate, I love the boxing. I've always loved the boxing. It comes first, second is rugby league, and then everything else. So. Uh, Mate, it's just uh, it's awesome to work alongside the old man. He's been doing it a long time. He knows what he's doing. Mate, I couldn't have a better mentor. Oh, well, this one's an interesting one, uh, Liam, because it's had an absence here, fight for life of this nature and this magnitude in this country. So tell us how it's been uh, how it's been received. Mate, it's been received really well, and I think part of that is to do with the long layoff, and uh, the other part is to do with COVID. You know, I think. New Zealand's sick of sitting around doing nothing, waiting for events to happen again, and right, tonight's the night. So, uh, right, ticket sales have gone well. There's still a few GAs left, but all the all the tours sold up. So, uh, right, it's going to be a hell of a night. So people can walk up tonight. That's important. Uh, there's, yeah, they probably can. There's, there's a few GAs left, so uh, come along, have a few beers, and uh, don't get too silly. Okay, right, that's the message. Uh, yesterday, uh, you uh, took a bit of a knock yesterday with the news that Kevin, uh, Kevin Mialamu's uh, checkup was uh, not good. He was not deemed fit to fight. Um, that's a bit, of a, a bit of a kick in the guts for you. You have to get over that one. Yeah, it is. Not just as a, you know, part of the promotional team, but uh, as a fan. You know, I really wanted to see that fight happen. I wanted to see how Kevin goes. Monty Beatham uh, has been training him his whole camp and uh, he, he tells me he hits like a like a truck and and he's got a real tank on him you know so mate, just as a fan I'm, I'm gutted we don't get to see that fight but uh, Carlos is going to step up against Paulie Fatawera and uh, from what I'm told that's going to be a great great fight so uh, mate, okay. it's a shame Kevin's out but the show must go on and and we'll uh, just out of interest, will, will Kevin and uh, Wairangi Kupu have some sort of um, appearance on the night? Will they be there? A hundred percent. They're both going to be there. And uh, mate, I, I think we're going to run this event again at some point, And uh, I hope to put that fight on. 
because I think it's going to be a great display of boxing, and uh, man, I really want to see the two of them get in the ring and get this thing done. Well, Carlos has uh, been in there before, of course, um, and you talked him back in at the age of uh, 46. How's he shaping up? <laughs> he still looks like he's 28. He still looks like he's in them Toffee Pop commercials. He hasn't lost any of it. He's, he's muscled down to the max and uh, ready to go. So I'm looking forward to seeing him, mate. He's, uh, he's a specimen. What are you predicting for that fight uh, with Paul Fotuera? Well, I don't know. From what Monty Beatham has told me, Paulie actually has uh, an established amateur career in boxing. So I think, I think Paulie might surprise people with what he can do. But, uh, yeah, mate, I, I know Carlos hits hard. I've seen Carlos fight, and uh, but I, I, I think he can get the job done. But, mate, if Paulie comes out with a, with a, with a good background in boxing, mate, it, it could go either way. It's a very tough one to call. Liam Messam and James Gabbett. Give us a prediction for that if you could. That's a great fight. That's a great fight. Look, Liam's, Liam's obviously got a history in boxing. He's had quite a few pro fights now. But uh, I shook James, James Gabbett's hand yesterday, and it was twice the size of mine. And I'm six foot four. I'm no small boy. So uh, mate, I couldn't believe how big his hands were. And, mate, he's so broad across the shoulders. He was a beast for the Warriors. You know, he played for, uh, I think he played West Tigers and uh, a couple of other clubs. So, And, and would you believe this? He's playing for Richmond in the semifinals of Rugby League this Saturday. So after his fight, he's going straight into a Rugby League game. Unbelievable. <laughs> It'll be a great nick for it anyway, I would imagine, uh, as long as uh, Liam doesn't deal to him too badly. Hey, mate, here's the, you've been able to attract uh, onto the card uh, two genuine professional boxers and Andre Mikhailovich and Jerome Pampelone as well. So you must be very pleased and looking forward to their appearance tonight. Yeah, mate, they're both signed to us long term, and uh, they they can really fight. Like Jerome, uh, Jerome's a light heavyweight, and uh, it's very tough to get light heavyweight fights in New Zealand for him. But Chucky, uh, Chucky, the guy he's fighting, who's with Shane Cameron, is a cruiserweight. So uh, Jerome's really having to step up in that fight, and everything I'm told, it's going to be an absolute war, and it's a great matchup. And then, of course, we've got Andre Mikhailovich, who we've had over to Australia on a few of our fight nights. He's been on uh, three fight nights of ours, and he's knocked out every opponent in three rounds, even though they keep getting tougher every fight. Um, and, mate, I, I, I said this uh, on The Rock the other day. I'll say it again here. I, I truly believe Andre Mikhailovich is going to be the next Canelo of boxing. And uh, I see him holding the titles for a long time. He's top 15 in the world, and I have no doubt that in a year's time he will be holding those belts. So jump on board the train of the Russian and uh, get on board now. So, I mean, that's, that's a big call. And, you know, promoters, uh, that's part of their lingo is to, is to, to push their, their stars, etc. But what gives you that confidence? Because that's a very, very high standard. That's a high rating to achieve. Mate, he's just that good. It's, you know, we, we've got some very good guys in our stable, but, but some of them just really stand out as special. Like, we've got Justice Hooney in Australia, who, who uh, is well-picked to be uh, heavyweight world champion at some point. And uh, Andre is, I put in the same category, you know. Like, every, every fight we give him, we step him up. You know, he, uh, he went from fighting the guy 13-0, then it was uh, 20 and 20 and two, I think, and then 30, 33 and two, and he just, he knocked out every single one of them within three rounds. He's just exciting to watch, 
and he gets better with every fight. And he's now ranked in the top 15. There's a guy in Australia who's uh, number one or number two in the world, Michael Zarafa. I think Andre Mikhailovich knocks him out in six rounds, and that would put him in good stead to get a world title fight. So, mate, this kid is so exciting, and New Zealand's about to see uh, the future middleweight champion of the world show off what he does best. Well, the, the other thing about uh, Jerome's fight as well is, uh, of course, uh, the winner of that uh, probably goes into the top 15 in the world and be able to fight uh, recently crowned world champion Jai Opataya for the world title in what would be a trans-Tasman battle. So plenty on for that one. 100%. That would be an amazing fight to make, especially given, you know, you've got the only Australian king at the moment versus uh, an up-and-coming superstar, Jerome Pamplone from New Zealand. So a trans-Tasman battle is 100% on the cards. Uh, how it will probably go if Jerome can get past Chucky tonight. We'll, uh, we'll give him one or two more fights in Australia just to build his profile a little bit. And uh, Jai obviously has a broken jaw on both sides of his face from his last fight winning the world title. So, uh, mate, that, that, that's very much a possibility that it's on the cards for around December, maybe. Okay, um, now let's uh, look at the other uh, two fights which are scheduled tonight, which uh, includes um, the, the ladies, Honey Hitami Smiler and uh, my FM host, uh, Tegan Yarworth. Uh, what, do you know anything about these two? Of course, of course. I know them both well. And uh, it's an amazing, amazing fight. I, I didn't realise Honey played for both, uh, I think it's the All Black Sevens, and she played for the Kiwis in Rugby League. Like, it's She's, uh, she's an incredible athlete. And uh, everything I hear from her camp is that she hits hard and she's got a tank on her, as you'd expect. Uh, Tegan, on the other hand, I, look, I think most people will be leaning towards Honey, but I know that Tegan has been signed up for this for about nine months. We've had to postpone it a few times due to COVID, and she has trained her ass off. So, uh, mate, that's going to be a great, great battle. And I think Tegan's going to take a lot of people by surprise. And... It's one of the fights on the card that I'm really, really excited to watch because I know how hard Tegan's been training and I know what an athlete Honey is. And you've got a couple of DJs going at it and Tammy Davis and Jay Reeve. How good. How, mate, Tammy's been amazing. Like, uh, he's the only fighter that negotiated with me on pay. You know, he's, he's calling Jay Reeve two, three times a week, telling him he's going to knock him out. He's been phenomenal to deal with, you know, um, and, and Jay is in amazing shape. I couldn't believe the shape he was in yesterday. That boy must be training hard, you know, running marathons or doing something because, uh, mate, he's got no fat on him. So, uh, look, I, Jay's definitely got the range, but I think Tammy's got them wild shots. And uh, when you've been on Outrageous Fortune and you've got the nickname Munter, you know, it's going to be a bit of a war, I think. <laughs> Hey, here's uh, the thing we can't ignore either, of course. Um, proceeds of this uh, going to Mike King's charity, I am hope, Liam, and that is, uh, at, the end of the, at the end of the night, very, very important cause. 100%. That's one that uh, I hold very close to my heart for two reasons. One, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of stand-up comedy, and a lot of people, you know, younger people my age don't realise that Mike King is the Richard Pryor of New Zealand comedy. You know, he's... Uh, Mate, he, he was incredible. He was the first person to ever have an hour special on TV in New Zealand. And, mate, he was an absolute rock star. And he turned his life around, got off the gear, and has battled with depression himself, uh, which which I, too, battle with. I, you know, I, I have depression and anxiety, and it's something that I deal with on a regular basis. So, 
doing this for I Am Hope is a really, really big thing for me. And mate, when we put Fight for Life on, there was no other charity that we were going to do it for. It was it was Mike and Mike only. So, um, mate, I'm very, I feel very privileged to be able to do this for Mike. And uh, it's just a little bit to give back to him for all the entertainment he's given me over the years. So uh, tonight, once you've uh, stacked all the chairs away and uh, everyone's gone home happy, uh, what's, the, what's on the, the, the list for the Lonigan lads uh, coming up in the, in the near future? Oh, God. Well, uh, afterwards, I would say I will have a couple of beers and Dad will have a tall glass of milk. And uh, then we'll look at what we've got in Australia. We've got uh, a few fights to go this year. Justice Hooney wants to go twice this year. Uh, who's a heavyweight in Australia, so we've got to get that up and running. And Jaya Pattaya, obviously, in December, who, you know, if Jerome goes well, it could be him as his first defence. So, mate, we've got a big year ahead and uh, looking forward to it. Do you, do you do these kinds of promotions in Australia? Yeah, we do. We do. We're not, not so much fight for life. We do, you know, it's, uh, pro- professional boxing fights top to bottom on the card. And, uh, mate, Australia's blowing up at the moment. You know, you've obviously got Tim Zhu in the mix, uh, who's fighting for a world title next year. Uh, Jaya Pattaya just won the Cruiserweight world title. So, uh, mate, it's going off over there. And there's so much talent there. And uh, what I really like is bringing the Kiwi boys over there and giving them exposure on uh, in Australia as well, you know, making them famous in two countries. So, mate, everything's going well. We're happy with the spot we're in. We're in a very good spot. And... Uh, it's just exciting to put on these fights, you know. Like I, I just love the sport and I love uh, being a part of it and leaving leaving a legacy behind. So it's it's just a great time. I've just uh, uh, we get texts into the show when we've got guests talking. We just got one in from Carl Liam. It says, "Hi Smithy, bloody hell, Liam sounds like a twin of his old man the way he talks." That tell us that's not true, mate. Tell us that's not where not the direction you're heading, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been listening to him in the car for 26 years. It's doing exactly what I'm doing now, you know. So, I mean, it doesn't get a wear off of it. I remember being in radio studios at the age of five years old, you know. Like, so I, I can understand why I pick up on it a little bit. No, it's been fantastic, mate, catching up with you. Uh, Good luck for tonight's uh, promotion. I'm sure it'll go well. You guys never do a bad thing. So uh, good luck to you and uh, with what's coming up in the future, man. All the best. Thanks for your time. Thanks, brother. Talk soon, mate. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Liam Lonigan there. (laughs) That is the chip off the old block. I've got to say it. That is a chip off the old block. Just absolutely fantastic. The enthusiasm uh, for what they do. And for what they bring, yeah, it's it's undeniable. The Lonigan boys are back in town, and tonight's the big show. 9.21 here on SENZ. We shall be doing, uh, after 10 o'clock, we'll be doing uh, the opportunity for you to win the Chemist Warehouse voucher um, and uh, our talk back half hour and uh, subjects uh, you could talk there is uh, Fight for Life. What are you looking forward to in the Fight for Life tonight? Um, what are you looking forward to in the Commonwealth Games, which are not too far away? Um, and on the subject of, of the Commonwealth Games, of course, uh, Logan, uh, we'll be talking to Ricky Swinnell very shortly. She'll be part of uh, the commentary team at the Commonwealth Games. Um, but uh, she's written a book too. Tell us a wee bit about it. She sure has. Uh, out today, Smithy, Seven Sisters. The tagline is how a people first culture turned silver into gold. The big mantra there with the team is despite all, you know, any setbacks that have come their way, 
their line has always been, are you on the walker and will you leave mana in your wake? Now, I think that is something that we know that that team has definitely done in recent history. So, yes, Ricky has written a book about it, Smithy, and we're giving away a copy today to one of our listeners. So... All you have to do to win is text us on double eight double three and tell us who is your favourite Blackfern Sevens player and why, and uh, we'll pick a winner at the end of today's show, Smithy. Okay, interesting. So uh, uh, do that, double eight double three. Favourite uh, Blackfern's player could be Ruby Tui, could be uh, Sarah Hirani, uh, could be uh, any number of them. Uh, there's so many good ones, so many champions, of course. Uh, so, yeah, that will be... Of, uh, of real interest, I'm sure, and uh, terrific book too, and we'll give that away. So we'll talk to Ricky uh, in around about uh, five minutes' time. Uh, news coming through, of course, uh, with uh, in the golfing world that Henrik Stenson has been removed as Europe's Ryder Cup captain with immediate effect. The 46-year-old Swede has signed up for the new controversial Saudi-backed breakaway Live Golf Series, and after discussions with the, the Ryder Cup uh, European officials, the decision was made to replace him as captain straight away. Uh, they've got. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Liv have announced 45 players for their next 48-man tournament, with three more top players to be named in the coming days. It comes after reports that uh, Stenson and former Masters champion Hideki Matsuyama are set to join the controversial series. The third event of the series uh, will run uh, from the 29th to the 31st of July at the Trump National Golf Club in New Jersey. Uh, speaking after winning the uh, Open on Sunday, Cameron Smith did not rule out joining Live Golf for the vast amount of money that they're promising him as well, something in the vicinity of around 140, 150 million Australian dollars uh, straight after, of course, uh, him, uh, <coughs> him winning the Open Championship. Staggering, staggering amount of money. Hard for a lot of people to say no to. It simply is. Uh, it sets you up for... Life and afterlife. It is just so much money. Uh, it's coming up to 9.30 here on SENZ, which means uh, it's time to pop across to the new studio, studio for the first time today and join the lovely Aroha with an update. Well, the Blackfern Sevens will be making their way to the UK this weekend ahead of the 2022 Commonwealth Games in Birmingham, and they are looking to defend their gold medal from the 2018 Games along with the All Black Sevens. Ruthless and clinical on the field, charismatic and down-to-earth off it. The Blackfern Sevens are a team that captured the hearts of not just New Zealanders, but sports fans around the world during last year's Tokyo Olympics, where they also, of course, won gold. This team is one heck of a story, one worth, in, uh, worth writing a book about, and that's exactly what our next guest has done. Seven Sisters is out today. And joining us now from the UK as author, commentator, and uh, one of our very own here at SENZ, Ricky Swinnell and uh, Ricky great to hear from you great to have you back on our airwaves and I've got to, I've, I've always wanted to say this uh, because of the legendary Peter Montgomery used to say it uh, how are you where are you <laughs> classic PJ line um, I'm really good Smithy nice to chat to you um, I am in Belfast at the moment and the very final mm. night of um, what has been three weeks of a road trip around the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland so it has been um, quite a trip so far but yeah la last night tonight heading back to the UK um, to start getting ready for the Com Games 
Well, being a noted rugby commentator, you'd have been, you wouldn't have had the mickey taken out of you at all over, um, while you have been there. It's just been, it's been fun, hasn't it, the last fortnight? Oh, my gosh. You know, for, sort of for the first kind of 10 days that I was here, people kept saying to me, oh, what part of Australia are you from? And then all of a sudden, after the second test, they, they twigged to exactly where I was from. I, I don't know why, but, um, yeah, look, look, they've been so, they've actually been really nice about it over here in Ireland and uh, I was looking through the Sunday papers the day after that third test here and it was really celebratory about um, about the Irish win and, and how they played and how historic it was and, and all of that and even today my, my taxi driver he was kind of like oh you know we still always think you're the team to beat and, and all of this. Um, fortunately I went to the cricket this afternoon um, here in Belfast and so it was a slightly better day to be a Kiwi in Ireland because the Black Caps were pretty clinical. Yeah, they were pretty clinical today. That's the, uh, that is good news. Uh, let's get on to the uh, the book, Ricky, because uh, it's wonderful. And I just need to know what spurred you to write this book. Um, well, it was, I was actually approached about it. I got about five minutes after the, the final whistle and the gold co- uh, the gold medal match in the Tokyo Olympics last year. I had a text from um, Warren Adler at, at Upstart Publishing, and, and he sort of said straight away in this text, Seven Sisters, good ring for a book title, a good name for a book title, give me a call when you get home. Um, and so it really just stemmed from there. And then, of course, getting home and we're into MIQ and then we, you know, the country goes back into the lockdowns and all of that. So it was quite a long process to eventually um, get it going as well. And, you know, you're, you're looking at a team, so it's not just one person who has to decide that, yes, they want to do this. So um, that was sort of where it came from. And, and the publishers were very adamant. There's, you know, it's very rare to have a book about female athletes, let alone a, a woman's team, but they felt that there was a, a story in their success and, and what they've achieved in the last wee while. And so that's uh, sort of how it came about. It's, a, it's an interesting story as well, Ricky, because, and it's so topical because, you know, with the importance placed on having a healthy team culture these days, a uh, healthy workplace, whatever, uh, wherever you are, actually, uh, this team has sort of exemplified that, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it was a change they felt they needed to make after the 2016 Olympics. Um, when they won the silver medal in Rio and they'd gone in as favourites, but there'd been sort of cracks that had started to appear and, and part of it's to do to on-field stuff, but just that little, those little kind of fizzies, I guess, in the in the culture and, and that's what it stemmed back to. And, and so post-Rio, those players who stayed on were, were adamant that they didn't want to feel like that again. And, and so they sort of set about changing that, led by their new coach, Alan Bunting, who had been the assistant in the previous era. Um, he became the head coach and, and alongside him, Corey Sweeney, plus a very big leadership group. They changed that um, to, to put some support around Sarah Goss, or Sarah Hibbany now, obviously. Um, and, and that's where it sort of stemmed from. There's lots of little themes and 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 vision, I guess, along the way to, to work on that culture to allow the players and, and the coaching staff to be exactly who they are on and off the field. And they always thought, Alan Bunting says, Bunt says, you know, if you get heart performance right, then you get high performance. He always calls it heart performance, which um, I guess is probably a little bit of a measure of, of anyone who's come across Alan Bunting. So, Ricky, you were able to get alongside uh, some of these uh, wonderful women and, and, and get their stories firsthand? 
Yeah, yeah, I've talked to all of them. Um, there's been a lot, and a lot of it done over Zoom because I went away to Beijing for Winter Olympics. Then when we got back, it was like right in the depths of COVID, and then I headed away again. So um, yeah, spoken to all of them plus. Um, plus Bunting and, and Sweeney, um, Stu Ross, the assistant coach, Brad Anderson, the the the, tra- the longtime trainer, um, and and yeah, all of those players. So from from the most senior to the youngest, and that was kind of something I wanted to make sure that every player kind of had a voice. That even if you've only been in the in the team for the last little while, if you're one of the youngest, that that you are still part of it's their story. It's a collective story, and that's very much how that team operates too. There's while, yes, there's a leadership group and all of that, the hierarchy is such that everybody can kind of have a say. And so that was what was really cool about doing this. So there were some very long, winding, um, interesting conversations, I can tell you that. I guess, uh, you know, one of the issues that, you know, unfortunately has uh, reared its head has been, um, you know, the, the pressure that is placed on some of our sporting people, sportswomen in particular. And, of course, we know uh, what the outcome of some of it has been. Uh, is that stressed in the book about how they handle pressure and uh, accept the role model type situation? Yeah, I think so. And I think for a lot of these players, they very much accept that role models, that being role models. And I, and I like, anecdotally, it's something perhaps that female athletes, do, it does sit a little better with them or maybe more comfortably in that they feel like they are that in, in their day-to-day lives with their families and as well. But that there is a responsibility to grow the game and to get to get girls playing and get people watching and, and, and all of that. But I guess there is that element of, of of having such a strong connected team that when people have had their issues, and they certainly have had them within this team, it's not, you know, sunshine, rainbows and lollipops all the time, um, that they have mm. a really good support network in place and, and they've been able to at times get away and, and be away and, and do what they need to do at home, which was one of the really strong philosophies of the coaching group, you know, that if you had something going on at home, big or small, um, then that's your first priority. Do they go to the Commonwealth Games, Ricky, as favourites in your mind, bearing in mind they've only really just recently returned to the World uh, Rugby Seven circuit? Yeah, look, I think they're still they're slim favourites, slimmer favourites than perhaps we were used to them being, and that is because, yes, they've just come back, but also Australia has um, improved out of sight since their own turmoil at the, the last Olympics where they, re, you know, they really fell away quite badly in the last 18 months and then into Tokyo as well. And they've come back since a lot of really exciting new players. But I think New Zealand still go in as favourites. Um, in, in, where are we going? Birmingham in a, in a week's time. Yeah. Get myself confused wherever we, wherever we are. Um, in, in Birmingham, experience factor huge. Uh, fit squad at the moment, really important. And, and you know, you just... Those those things that drive them along, defending a defending a title and, and all of that. So yeah, I think they they do go in as favourites, but probably not by a, as much as would have been say a year or so ago. You've uh, written another book, of course, uh, about Bowden Barrett. Tell us about the the difference mm-hmm. in writing a, a book about um, an individual and a team as such. 
Yeah, well, big di- and big difference in circumstances too. So when um, I did the one with Bowden, it was a very set time frame of his career we were looking at. We had a, a, a very targeted audience of a younger audience in mind and it also was in that very first lockdown. So neither of us had anything else to do but talk over Zoom. Whereas this one, it was like kind of herding sheep sometimes when you're, you know, you're wrangling uh, about 25 players, coaches, management and all of that. So um, a, a lot more, I guess, time and uh, transcribing, which I thankfully didn't have to do. Somebody else did all of that. So a lot more interviews, which I um, printed out and carried around in a backpack on my <laughs> on my trip so far. Mm. So I guess it's just, it was trying to, with this one, as, as opposed to Bowden's one, is uh, making sure that all the players felt like that they had a voice and that they all came across in it. So just made it, it's, it's a, a bit easier, I would say, when it's just one person you're having to worry about, especially, as I say, when we've got nothing else to do but sit at home. Ricky, it's been announced uh, in terms of the sevens that uh, England, Scotland and Wales will combine under Britain for the 2022-23 World Rugby Series in a bid to improve their Olympic chances. What, what do you make of that? I think it's been coming, and I th- it, I think it's a good move um, for Great Britain. The, 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 the fact that they were here, the, the home nations, particularly the RFU, um, England's RFU, aren't very invested in sevens. Um, it's, I mean, you know, the, the England teams and, and GB teams almost got their funding completely cut going into Tokyo and they, they ended up fundraising at times. So they're not particularly invested in it. I think for the women's game, it's definitely the right move. I can understand if you're the Welsh men and the Scottish men that it's, it's going to be tougher on them because they are World Series teams and, and now it's, it becomes that combined unit. But I think it is a, a good move for that kind of the longevity of the sport, where they want to take sevens, where World Rugby wants to take sevens, just to, I guess almost force the hand a little bit to get some interest and input from the RFU. Okay, let's um, uh, look at uh, the Commonwealth Games, which uh, you're about to be involved in. Uh, What is your involvement? How many sports uh, are you taking on? Because uh, pretty much, uh, KT's going to be a bit lonely. I hope you talk to him because it's pretty much an an all-girl lineup. I'll always talk, always look after KT, always talk to KT. So um, I am, so the first couple of days I'm actually working on the sevens for the um, competition host broadcaster. So working with um, the commentary team over there with a lot of our regular World Series commentators. So for the first couple of days, I'll do that. So we're, we are quite literally being sent to Coventry um, for that. And then I will switch over and join the Sky Sport team as a reporter. So basically wherever I end up it could be anywhere I mean I'm a pretty good chance of not getting the netball given that we've got Storm and Courtney (laughs) going over Mm -hmm. as well so I probably won't be anywhere near the netball but um, wherever wherever it takes me I mean get to go and watch some sports so hopefully maybe get a bit of the white ferns in in action whatever really I'll, I'll go where they send me it's a really, uh, I think it's shaping up to be a, a really cool Commonwealth Games for New Zealand in particular. I'm quite excited uh, and just watching the World Athletics Champs as well, uh, when you take all the non-Commonwealth countries out of the fr- uh, frame uh, and, and reassemble, uh, I, it puts a lot of our athletes yeah. further up the pecking order, clearly. I, I think it's going to be quite a, a rewarding Commonwealth Games for New Zealand, over their overall team. 
Yeah, I think so, and I think it, it should be as well. Um, and what what is going to be really nice is that it's that you know it's for many of them it's going to be back to normality. You know, there is uh, next to no COVID restrictions over in this side of the world, and I know that the teams will have things in place, and there will be more, but um, it will feel very free. There's going to be fans in the stand. It looks like Birmingham have got really cool plans and lots of different things in place for, for how it's going to play out over over that, that 10 days. So, yeah, and I think you're right, too, for New Zealand. It's a great opportunity in, in those sports like athletics, track cycling, we should do well. Hayden Wild is going gangbusters in triathlon at the moment, too. Mm. Um, obviously, both the sevens teams are going to be right in the mix. Hopefully, the White Ferns can improve on from the World Cup when, you know, when, when we saw them <laughs> stumble when they shouldn't have. And there's, you know, good quality competition for them too. So, yeah, really looking forward to it, actually. Love a good a good multi-sport games to sit and chew over for 10 days or so. You might be 20,000 kilometres away, but you can't hide from this question. What do the All Blacks oh, do? No. What, are you, what are you expecting? <sighs> what are you expecting to come out of NZ Rugby for Ian oh. Foster, for Sam Kane? I, well, I thought, firstly, hopefully better PR and comms because, jeepers, that's been an unwielding disaster as well off the field. Uh, look, I think Foster keeps his job. I, I, just, I just don't see them changing that. I, I could see a change in captaincy because I also think Sam Kane possibly under a little bit of pressure from the playing perspective as well. And I think he's brilliant. I, I think he's in that squad every time. But um, maybe it's a, a case of a bit like Joe Root, Smithy, you'd know, you know better, you know, take the captaincy away yeah. and look how he performs. Um, so, yeah, look, I think I think Foster keeps his job. I don't know if some of the assistants do, though, and that seems to be where some of the problem is as well, whether that, that whole kind of coaching group is right. And, and I think, look, I mean, they're mad if they've got Joe Schmidt sitting there. They are mad not to have him more deeply involved. Okay, uh, really uh, good to catch up with you, Ricky. You'll be pleased to know we're giving a... God, we covered we are giving a, we're, We've pretty much covered all the bases. Uh, we're giving away a copy of Seven Sisters today, and what oh, we're getting cool. people to do is text in their favourite Black Ferns player of all time. And I can tell you already we've had about uh, three or four Sarah Hiranis. We've had a, a Tyler mm-hmm. Nathan Wong, a, a couple of Portia Woodmans, um, We've had a Michaela Blyde. So, I mean, it's uh, they're all very, very popular young women um, and successful. Can I ask you your favourite all-time, or is it, is it putting oh, you on the spot? Oh, no, that's a I mean, no, that put, that, well, actually, they're, I think they're already over on this side of the world, so probably none of them um, will be able to hear. hear. So, no, look, I tell you, what I would say is that what you see is what you get with that group. They are as, as cool, as genuinely nice, um, as committed as they come across. But look, I have a I have a pretty soft spot for Sarah Hidney, I must say, um, and mm. just the leader she has become, what she took on. She was 23 when she captained that team at Rio amid a lot of turmoil. So um, I always have a yeah a bit of t- a bit of time for Gossie, as they say. Okay, well, we've always got time for you too, uh, Ricky Swinnell. Uh, thank you for it uh, this morning. And also, uh, please stay safe and travel safe over there. And we'll see you home at some stage, I guess, when your travels come to an end. Thank you. Thanks, Mavi. Nice to chat to you. Take care. Yeah, yeah you too. Uh, Ricky Swinnell here, of course, folks. Uh, living the dream in terms of commentating around the world. The Commonwealth Games next on the agenda. Been in Belfast, around Ireland, 
Uh, absolutely fantastic uh, on a, a sort of a working OE as such. Uh, 9.48 here on SENZ. A couple of uh, texts coming in. Uh, it's great to hear from Ricky. Love her. Also, I'd love to hear from the media what they uh, think going to happen to the All Black coaching setup rather than what they think will happen, uh, what they want to happen. Yeah, well, it's uh, two vastly different things there. Also getting a lot of texts in, uh, regarding uh, Logan's uh, requests for text in terms of your favourite black fern of all time. Of course, uh, Logan will make a decision on the, those texts. Double eight, double three is the number, and uh, he will also give you the uh, the opportunity to win that fantastic book, Seven's Sisters. Seven Sisters, penned by Ricky Swinnell. It is at nine fifty three here on SENZ. We'll have a multi just before ten o'clock. You got to know when the whole Smithy's Multi. Know when to walk away and know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Right, uh, tonight uh, it's round 19 of the NRL getting underway and the Broncos are visiting the Eels. The Broncos are outsiders at $2.23. I'll take that. I'll take a bit of the Brisbane Broncos at $2.23. Uh, tennis continues in Hamburg. Krejcikova to beat uh, Potapova tonight in the, the women's singles at a dollar thirty-five, and in the men's singles, uh, Alcaraz to beat uh, Krajinovic, uh, and that's at a dollar eighteen. So multi those three together: Broncos, Krejcikova, and Alcaraz. Uh, that comes up as uh, three dollars fifty-five. Our run of late has not been good. Uh, there's hundreds of ticks uh, literally coming in to win, win this book. Seven's sisters. Uh, and uh, we'll bring some of those to you after 10 o'clock news uh, very shortly, uh, and then we'll invite you to uh, make some calls as well on 0800 150811, subject of your choice. Talkback time with Smithy. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher. 0800 150811. Yes, I'd uh, love to hear from you on that number, 800-150-811. What should happen uh, out of uh, this uh, review, this quick review from uh, New Zealand Rugby, in your mind, what should happen? That is uh, one topic. Other topic, of course, uh, on the back of this release of this book this morning by Ricky Swinnell, uh, Seven Sisters. You can give us a call and tell us uh, what you think about uh, one your favourite player or perhaps uh, you could just tell us about the, the team and what the team has meant to you as and uh, what they mean to New Zealand, actually, uh, to be perfectly honest, is that. Commonwealth Games are just around the corner. Quite excited. I've been watching the World Athletics Champs, and uh, I've been uh, trying to uh, piece together some uh, prospects for us. Tom Walsh, of course, finishing fourth in the shot put, but behind three Americans who won't be at the Commonwealth Games. Great signs there uh, for Tom Walsh. Perhaps a gold medal looming for him. So uh, Commonwealth Games around the corner. Anything else you'd like to call us about, please do. 0800 150 811. A lot of texts to read out as well and reply to uh, Nathan's uh, compet- uh, not Nathan, uh, Logan's competition for today. Um, so we shall uh, get into that as well. Logan, uh, we've got Cody on the line first up, I believe. Good morning to you, Cody. Morning, Smithy. How are you? I'm pretty good. What do you reckon is going to happen uh, out of the All Blacks, mate? Uh, I think there's got to be some serious look at changing um, Fuzzy. Um, you look at this. England cricket team, they change Brendan McCullum, they change a fortune. Um, it's just like they don't play any more attacking rugby anymore, I, lo- I think about it, when you watch it. Um, yeah, what, what's your opinion? 
Well, I, I think that you know there will be change. There will be changes, but I, I don't. Um, I, I don't expect them to be at at the top uh, with Ian Foster. I, I believe Ian Foster will keep his job, um, and that he'll he will have picked the team uh, along, or hopefully with uh, Joe Smith's input as well. They will have picked the team uh, to travel uh, to South Africa. So. Um, uh, there'll be at least a, pre, a please and prove about that. Now, for Cody, um, an answer to your question, I, I think what's pro- the problem for me is the forwards. Uh, they're just simply not giving... Uh, the, the backs are very talented, but they're not giving them the platform. They're playing under pressure. Uh, so they have to get that go forward. Uh, and uh, for that reason, I, I think they have to look at who's uh, hanging around coaching the forwards at this point. I believe that's John Plumtree. Um, and to, quite frankly, uh, it's not working. That is the area for me. It's... Uh, I'm not saying that's the, it's a quick fix, but I'm saying it, it's the area to be fixed. So for me, I'd be looking at who's coaching the forwards very, very closely. Uh, that would be uh, point one. And uh, once we got parity up front and or even a bit of dominance, which is not going to be easy at any stage, uh, just see how the backs perform after that. Um, and, and you know, you know, the adage that the game is won up front has been there since uh, 1880 or something, and it's still there, mate. It's still there. So. From my point of view, that's where I'd go. So, if you were them, would you? Who would you bring as your forward coach then? Well, uh, look, uh, uh, I'd have to see what kind of input Joe Smith wanted. All right, I, I need to know yep. um, what he—he's the key. He's a big key for me. He, I mean, uh, my understanding is that he can now be involved. He didn't want to be really heavily involved when it came to play, uh, coaching against Ireland, but now, of course, they're gone. Uh, Joe Smith has to be seriously heavily involved in that. And if that means um, bringing in a, um, a, a new forwards coach, someone like a Clayton McMillan, who's uh, been pretty successful, or someone else within the group, um, you know, then so be it for me. But to me, it starts up front, and that's where the patchwork has to be done. That's exactly what I thought. Yep. You, you happy with that? What, what about um, Sam Kane? See, there's, a, there's one for me as well, Cody. Um, I, yep. I, I do believe that uh, we've got to be a little bit more open-minded about that. Uh, we, we, you know, last year when they had about five or six captains, remember, we were all saying, make up your mind, who's your captain going to be? Yep. Well, the captain turned out to be Sam Kane. Um, but, you know, is, is that part of the problem? Uh, do they have to look at that? And maybe that's a move that uh, they might make as well. Um, uh, that might be yep. the headline uh, come this afternoon or tomorrow, mate. Um, yeah, well, I, I looked at that and I thought Dalton probably to start at seven and then maybe um, Adi Severe or Sam Whitelock the captain. Yeah, I, I think it's a possibility. I, I really do think. Uh, I mean, he has to be open to that, Ian Foster. He has to be, and I'm sure that's been part of the negotiation. Cody, uh, thanks for being uh, first cab off the rank today. Uh, you're in line to win that uh, chemist warehouse voucher, my friend. Uh, and don't be a stranger calling any time. Love to hear from you. Dean, good morning to you. You hit the nail on the head with a couple of issues there, but the, the head coach is the head coach. He's not doing his job. Now, the reason I rung up was yesterday when I heard that the team naming had been delayed till Friday. I thought, oh, I'll get on the TAV and I'll have a sneaky wee look here because I might be able to get some money on the All Blacks. At 375, I thought, I'll put 50 bucks on them because if Razor takes over, they'll drop to 350 or 325 or something overnight. But then I heard on the news at night time that nah, Robinson, he's the problem too, the CEO, he's gutless. But um, he's had a meeting with him and asked him what he was going to do three years ago. The same talk, same conversation, nothing's happened, nothing changes. So I tried ringing the TAP, they were closed. So I emailed them, I didn't know whether they'd get that, 
say, all right, ring him again this morning. And I got a nice young lad. And I told him the truth. I said, look, I actually don't need to repeat it. But I said, you guys might as well take that $50, if you like, and buy a smoko with it because it's a waste of money. I said, is there any way I can put another 50 on South Africa or France? I'd rather leave it in there as a bonus bet until you name the finalist, and I'll take South Africa, France. And uh, he said, that's all good, Dean. He said, I understand. He said, we'll just put the $50 back in your account. So well done, the TAB, because that's like futures betting, and I got it wrong. I was trying to be clever, and I just I thought the public had spoken, and when they spoke about women's rugby, the right thing happened. And all he said was a couple of fat ladies needed to get fit. You know, this guy's record is terrible, and he stays there. And you're talking about Sam Kane. He, that, I said that yesterday. He made him coach or captain. No one else would have picked him as captain. Artie Savia should be still playing seven. Dalton Popoli, he's going really well, but he's got to weave it to learn at the international game. But there's no nothing wrong with him coming off the bench and saving Artie's league. But he has to start. He has to be captain. He has to be seven. And we've got to find a number eight. So right, Dean. You're so right. And and uh, you're, you always are every day, mate. Thank you very much. And look after that Irishman. Get him home safely. Uh, thanks for, for your thoughts there. Uh, Zane, uh, good morning to you, Zane. Uh, always enjoy talking to you. Uh, Zane from Parapara Umu. Um, and uh, Hendrik Stenson gone, eh? Straight away. Yeah, mate. Um, and potentially Cameron Smith and a few of the other Aussies, Aussies to follow. So, you know, I, I thought I'd get your take on this as another fellow golf fan. You see, I don't particularly follow the PGA Tour as a rule or the DP World Tour. I follow the players. Um, but I still struggle to comprehend how I could get interested enough, even if my favourites and Rory and Hideki went to this live golf, that I'd actually watch it. Is it a generational thing? I mean, I'm 48 now, so I'm not exactly a young fella, but I can't imagine jumping ship to watch that. It feels like, you know, um, online gaming or something. What's your take? Look, I, I'm with you, uh, Zane. It's going to struggle to get m- me interested, uh, depending on, you know, and I do follow the players uh, around the world, as you do. Uh, for mine, uh, it's it's easy golf because um, they the pressure the pressure to make money isn't there because it's it's on the plate for you anyway. You know you, you're gonna uh, even if you had three poor rounds, you, you're gonna make serious hay. Um, the other thing that is, and then the point that Tiger Woods made is true. It's it's not real golf in terms of tournament golf because it's only three rounds, not four. Um, you know, but so think- uh, until like that, you know they they haven't got that. It, it's it's novelty golf at a very, very, very high cost. It's interesting because, you know, like, uh, things change, like T20 cricket we thought would never take off. And I wonder, you know, we're just used to, who decided that four rounds made a, made, um, you know, a golf tournament? You look at majors in tennis, they only play three rounds in a normal competition, they only play five in majors. So, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see if they ever get me, but at the moment I don't even know where you can watch it or if you can watch it in New Zealand. So... Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see how it plays out, but for me, it's a no so far. Yeah, I'm with you, and um, at least they flexed their muscles as, as well overnight too. Zane uh, Henrik Stenson gone as a Ryder Cup captain, the most uh, privileged, one of the most privileged positions in team golf in the world is to be a Ryder Cup captain for either Europe or, of, of course, America. And to hand that up for money, uh, he's shown his cards as well. Zane, thanks very much, mate. Uh, Steve from Auckland. Good morning to you, Steve. Yeah, good morning, Smithy, and belated uh, happy birthday to ECNZ for yesterday. Um, Thank you. Got to got to say, um, whilst there's been a lot of talk about Ian Foster this week, man, I, I reckon the guy 
it bugs me a little bit that he hasn't fronted. And if you look at Mark Robinson's track record over the year with the with the, the Silver Lake deal, the relationship with Australia, um, you know, even even Super Rugby and what's happening at the moment, do you reckon he's kind of hid behind the couch a little bit, Smithy? Yeah, uh, he has. Um, you know, he's uh, he's pretty much a silent um, silent CEO compared to some that we've had in the past. Uh, there's there's no doubt about that, uh, Steve. And uh, he has to. Uh, I think he has to stand up uh, in this particular issue because this is, you know, this is a numero uno. This is the coaching and the captaincy, the leadership of the All Blacks at stake. He has to. He has to come forward. I feel. You know, if he if he stood up, if he actually left the press conference go ahead and if he'd actually stood by his men on Sunday I'd, I'd have a little bit of respect for him but I, I just kind of lose it. In terms of changes obviously a lot of the noise is coming out that you know for somebody like Scott Robertson he might not be ready for it so they've already got Joe Schmidt they've had him involved so I, I think he's probably going to come on, come on board so I can't see too many changes. The only thing that I'm actually a little excited about um, hopefully some changes just might freshen up the team a little bit, you know, with some new guys coming on board. We need some big boys going forward, uh, Steve, at the end of the day. I, th- I think that's. Uh, I think we all agree on that. Whatever happens, whoever coaches, whoever captains, we have to get some go forward up front to provide that platform, uh, that platform for the guys that are going to win it for us out wide. So I uh, totally agree with you on, on that. And yes, Mark Robinson, I think he, he will feel obliged at some point to stand up and be uh, be heard on these issues. Uh, Kerry from Manawatu, I believe, is next. Kerry, good morning to you. Morning, Smithy. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Very good. I, I look at go forward packs, and I think about that Manawatu Shield era. Back in those days, they went forward all the time. Yeah, I, I kind of think it's going to be tough. Uh, they smell blood. Oh. There's no doubt about it. The, the South Africans will be smelling blood. I can I can honestly feel the only game this year that we um, can't lose is the Aussie test against Eaton Park because we might have lost the one against Aussie in Melbourne the week before and that's going to be Bledisloe Cup. It's going to be a hell of a game in Eden Park in the end of September. It sure is. It absolutely right. You've nailed that. They've got two against Argentina as well. Don't, let's not forget. So there are six test matches coming up, which are crucially important, Thierry, in this, this calendar year. Uh, that cannot be denied. And uh, I totally uh, concur with your thoughts there about South Africa. That is not going to be very easy at all. Uh, finally, I think we've got, just got time for Jeff this morning. Jeff, uh, Jeff the ref. In fact, we haven't. Sorry, Jeff the ref. We're, we're out of time. So I've just had... My writing instructions delivered to me, so uh, please call to, uh, again tomorrow morning, Jeff. Uh, you'll be first cab off the rank. Love to hear, and that'll be in reaction to what has happened from New Zealand rugby. Thanks to all the callers. Uh, Logan will make a decision on not only the Seven Sisters today, uh, also the Chemist Warehouse voucher very shortly. Ten seventeen panel next. Big talk, big opinions. The panel. Aidan McLaughlin joins us this morning, as does uh, Andrew Gordy. And uh, Andrew Gordy, uh, you have your finger on the pulse most days of the week. Are we going to have a press conference today? Any announcements out of SNZR? 
Uh, morning, Smithy. Uh, morning to all the listeners. Uh, my understanding is no, but I think the mail is probably tomorrow would be would be the, the bet, I think. Smithy? Yeah, unfortunately, we're, okay. get, we're probably going to have to wait another 24 hours or so. So what does that suggest to you in terms of change? Any? No, I don't, I don't personally think we're going to see any change. We've just been discussing this. You know, communications management has been a big talking point this week, as you well know, Smithy. Um, look, mm. if, I think if there was going to be a coaching change, and by that, I, quite clearly, I'm, I'm talking about Ian Foster um, primarily, I think that would be a separate announcement to anything related to the All Black squad due to travel to South Africa for the Rugby Championship. Um, but from all accounts, we're going to hear that squad announced tomorrow. And I simply think anything anything related to the coaching will be announced as part of that. Now, you wouldn't say, here is the squad to tour South Africa. Oh, by the way, Ian Foster's not going and he's gone. You, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't do that, would you? You would announce those two things separately. But there's nothing to suggest that there's going, going to be a separate announcement. So I suspect it'll all just be rolled into one. And any subtle changes they might make to... Uh, the coaching situation, and again, I'm, I'm, I've got no idea what that might be at this stage. We've all read the, um, the, the, the rumours, I suppose, um, but I think that'll just be rolled into the announcement of the squad, and hopefully, though, um, you know, if, if an All Black squad is announced uh, for a tour, you would think we would hear from the All Black coach about his squad when it's announced, so I would think that, uh, you know, there would be some expectation, at least, that Ian Foster will front the media tomorrow. Yeah, I, I totally agree that at some point he will have to uh, win, lose or draw in terms of his position. Um, Adam McLaughlin, uh, I just wonder too, uh, people are starting to comment a wee bit about the performance of the CEO, Mark Robinson and all this. Uh, how do you think uh, he's gone um, on this issue uh, and what are you expecting to come out of it? Yeah, morning, Smithy. Morning, Andrew. Um, well, what have we heard from Mark Robinson this week? We had that statement, um, I think it was Sunday, wasn't it? Sunday afternoon. Um, which uh, it wasn't the greatest vote of confidence ever, um, but he did he did try and uh, lay out a path in that um, he would be working with Foster and his team to see the best way forward. Uh, but since then, it's been a bit of a messy week from the All Blacks for the All Blacks, hasn't it? From a communications perspective, um, m- my thoughts are similar to Andrew's. I don't necessarily think there will be any huge changes. Um, I personally think if there are going to be some changes, they will come uh, after the South African games. So if uh, if both games are lost, I think it's almost inevitable there'll be potentially some some major changes, not just minor changes. I think there could be a, a huge swell of um, uh, of uh, opinion that leads to that change at that stage. But I think in the short term, Robinson will go down the path. Uh, Robinson will go down the path of uh, supporting supporting the head coach and his staff, and uh, we'll see what happens in about three weeks' time. Okay. Um, Aidan, I just wonder, when you look at uh, the reaction to uh, Andrew Porter escaping a ban, uh, seven days earlier, of course, uh, Angus uh, Angus Tarvel getting a decent old holiday, a decent holiday for what appeared to be very similar. How did you view those incidents when when comparing them and um, the verdicts from the judiciaries? Well, probably like most observers, I was pretty confused. Um, the The judgment that came out this week regarding Porter uh, indicates that it was not a red card because um, he was absorbing a tackle. Now, if we're, if we're all watching 
both incidents, the, the one with Angus Talvey the week before and this one, and we're watching them in real time, who would say there's much of a difference? If you slow them right down, you might see a difference. Um, but I think this is the big issue for world rugby, uh, is that as spectators, as fans, as observers of the game, we look at that and we think, well, wh what is the difference? Why does someone get three weeks and someone doesn't get a red card? You know, so I think that that's the bigger issue here, is the the perceived inconsistency and the confusion for all concerned. This, uh, Andrew Gordy, on the back of what we're possibly hearing, central contracts all of a sudden for referees. Uh, I, I'm, I'm confused by the whole thing, actually. I, I, don't, I don't know who got it right, who got it wrong. Did Wayne Barnes get it right in the end, the judiciary? I, it's, it's, it's the, the, I mean, the evidence is quite clear, but the consistency is not. Well, this is the thing, Smithy. It's hard to hard to sit here and accurately say who got it right and who got it wrong because the application of these laws is so wildly inconsistent. How is it even possible for us to draw any any logical conclusions? And the thing that annoys me, and I, I'm trying to remember back to an example earlier this year. I think it was when Pablo Mateta, uh was it Bryn Gatlin that that ran into into Pablo Mateta and Mateta was yellow carded for it. And I just I remember yep. watching that incident and going. If this was the other way round, it would be it would be a completely different scenario because it's that big man, you know, big man, little man sort of dominant, um, dominant carry, I suppose, into the contact and who's the who's the ball carrier, who's the tackler. It just it just it's so inconsistent and it's it's a massive turn off for fans. I mean, you know, the three of us are all are all sitting here talking about this. We're all we're all passionate about the game and we like the game. And we're frustrated with that. How on earth are you going to attract new people, new fans to a game that even the people who like it can't stand anymore? It's just, it's so backwards. And, and they, they're clearly overcompensating for the concerns around head, in, head injuries and the, and the very, very serious impacts of head injuries. And, and I get that. And you've got to be, you've got to be careful with, with how you uh, are perceived to be uh, looking after that issue, I suppose. But this has just gone too far now. And, and look, I suppose if you're asking about centralised contracts for referees, I think the more professional we can make refereeing, the better, because that just leads to better outcomes for, for the viewer, for the players, for everyone involved in the game. So I'm all, I'm all for that if that's what it's going to lead to. I'm the same. I'm quality, not quantity here in terms of referees. I don't, I don't care if Wayne Barnes referees every damn test match we play every week, as long as it's good, as long as the refereeing and the officiating, I don't care. I mean, because we, we just want the best outcomes. Uh, I can't uh, let the, the Mark Robinson thing go without the, your opinion too, Gord. I mean, report card on him uh, of late. Sorry, sorry, I just missed that, Smitty. Oh, the Mark Robinson scenario as CEO. How's his performance rating? Yeah, look, I think the the statement that was released on Sunday was was ill advised, and it was it wasn't well worded. Um, there were words used in that release that were unnecessary, and I can't I can't imagine that it certainly helped the situation uh, between or the relationship between the All Blacks and the NZR at the moment. Um, but let's face it, this is a very difficult and very foreign situation that the All Blacks and NZR find themselves in. You know, when, realistically, when was the last time they had to deal with this level of, of prolonged 
uh, poor performance. It's, it's been a very, very long time. I mean, you know, you can you can think back to 2007 when they lost the World Cup quarterfinal, right? That was a that was a one-off defeat that had big ramifications, obviously. But this is a prolonged. This is a malaise now. Um, and so I, I think there's a lot of people involved in that that. that I won't necessarily say ill-equipped to handle it, but they're just not used to handling it. And and unfortunately, there's just been a few missteps along on, along the way this this week. I'm I'm sort of reluctant to to lay the boot into anyone in particular, particularly from you know I mean well obviously saw some comments from the All Blacks media managers over the last couple of days, which um yeah I don't know if they've helped the situation or not. It probably has helped the situation from Ian Foster's point of view. Um, but look, Mark Robinson, he's Gee whiz, you know, Steve Chew must be sitting back and going, gee, I got out of this game at the right time because Mark Robinson, it feels like he's had to handle uh, 20 years' worth of dramas that never came and they've all come at once. Um, but look, the reality is he's, he's in the job. Um, he is in an important position for this, for this game and for this organisation at the moment. And, and he's simply got to be, he's got to be better, I suppose. Um, but there needs to be decisive leadership at the moment. And yeah, look, just if we're talking about that statement that was released on Sunday morning, it was it was probably just unnecessary, to be honest. Yep, uh, I I totally agree. It would have been better off without it. I'd rather have had silence, to be honest. Ten thirty-two here on SENZ. We'll take a short uh, news break, uh, and when we come back, Andrew Gordy and Aidan McLaughlin will be with us for part two of the panel. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Uh, Andrew Gordy and Aidan McLaughlin with us this morning. Aidan, nice little trend developing here with the Black Caps. Uh, bringing someone who's uh, around about uh, 30 years of age, he's played a truckload of first-class cricket, and he'll do the job for you. Mitchell, Bracewell, and now overnight, Cleaver. Nice trend. It is a nice trend, and I was you know, really pleased for Dane Cleaver. Um, I sat at a rainy McLean Park um, at the end of March, uh, waiting and hoping for some play, and that was the night he was due to make his his debut for the Black Caps, and it never happened. Um, I remember speaking to Gary Stead later that night and said, "Okay, well, this was a one-off T20. Will you will you bring him along for the ODIs?" And he said, "No, no, we're going to stick to the plan." So poor old Dane was with the the squad for a week or so, and then went back without even having made his debut. So really, really pleased for him in these past few days to make a debut, um, and he's doing well, isn't he? I mean, 78 from 55 balls. Um, you know, Finn Allen came in, got 35 of 20 to open up uh, the innings as well. So I think those two have taken their chances. But but Dane in particular, you know, I think he's got a real chance here. I think there's 12 more T20s uh, to go before the World Cup. Um, games against Scotland, Netherlands, the West Indies, and then there's a, a Tri-Nation series back here. So I think he's got a real opportunity to cement that position in that World Cup squad. Goods, what have you made of this uh, mini tour of uh, Ireland so far? I mean, have you been uh, satisfied with the results? Have, have, you, have we discovered anything in your mind? Yeah, well, well the main thing for me, Smithy, is, is you discover depth. And I, we've, obviously, we have been talking about this the last couple of weeks. That's what these, that's the entire purpose, really, from the Black Cats' point of view of series like this. It's an opportunity to blood players um, who otherwise wouldn't have had an opportunity. Um, in the game. And now we're seeing uh, the players like Dane Cleaver, Michael Bracewell, these guys are getting opportunities, but they're not just, they're not just getting opportunities and, 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 you know, scratching around for a, a couple of runs and, and, a, and or, you know, a few runs and a couple of wickets sort of thing. These guys are actually entering the environment and producing man of the match 
sort of standout performances, and that's how you build depth and competition within your squad, and that, that means you don't get any complacency within the squad, um, and that's how the team performs at a higher level. I mean, I'm not, I'm not coming up with any magic recipes here, but this is, this is the sort of environment and this is the sort of uh, example and opportunity, I suppose, where, where you get to do this, where Gary Stead uh, gets the opportunity to put players like this in and really put them to, to the test for the first time. And don't get me wrong, I'm not suggesting that they've gone and beaten Australia or England or India overnight, but when your opportunity comes to put the shirt on, to wear the cap and play a full international, it's not just about being part of the team, it's about showing that you can be a leader with your performance with bat and ball, and that's exactly what these guys have done. And it just puts them on the radar, and it, makes, and it, and it puts other players on notice that if, if they're not ready to perform... There's a, a stack of guys behind them that are ready to step up, and yeah, especially when you've got uh, World Cup spots on the line as well. Um, that's exactly where Gary Fed wants to be. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, I didn't expect much out of it. Um, to be honest, uh, just to see development of players, I, I, I kind of figured we'd dominate. We, we should damn well dominate, but uh, I, I just want to see us with our, our big boys back playing, and, and that includes uh, Kane Williamson for me. So... Uh, if we're discovering along the way, that's uh, fine and dandy. Gords, um, w- uh, I would imagine you might have to keep Mrs. Gordy away from the TV tonight because Fight for Life is on and Carlos Spencer's going to bring out the toffee pop b- uh, body again, I-, I understand. So uh, it might leave you looking in a very poor light. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, look, Smithy, I'll be honest. It's left me really reflecting on how many toffee pops I've been eating. Um, clearly, uh, Carlos hasn't been consuming any since uh, since that well, that, that advertisement that you obviously fondly remember. Um, uh, it's, uh, yeah, look, good on him, I suppose. If you can uh, keep him that sort of neck until that sort of age, um, yeah, he's, he's really putting the pressure on all of us, isn't he? But, um, no, we might have to find some uh, find some Netflix or something. She'll probably be watching Sex in the City reruns or something anyway, Smelly. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, goodness me. Aidan McLaughlin, are you a Fight for Life fan? Oh, I've got to be honest with you, I'm not really. I mean, tonight we'll be going along to Pettigrew Green. We'll be watching the Hawks against the Saints. Um, uh, and that's more my, my cup of tea. Um, if I was, if there wasn't a basketball game and I was at home, I probably wouldn't watch it anyway. Um, listen, I think it's a fantastic cause. Great to see that uh, I Am Hope, Mike King's I Am Hope, is is going to benefit from this event. Um, and I am a boxing fan. Uh, but to be honest, it's not an event that really that does it for me. Um, and that you know, and that's not belittling the, what, what these these uh, competitors are doing at all. I think they're doing a fantastic job. Um, you know, good on them all. Uh, but no, not one for me to be honest. Uh, that brings me to um, uh, my final point for, from you today. Then, Aiden, is sales uh, NBL. Um, how how's it being received, uh, particularly in the Hawkes Bay area? Oh, I think it's been really well received. Um, yeah, but if I speak about locally, we've had really good crowds. Uh, and really good pre-sales, actually. You know, I was speaking to um, the guy in hospitality uh, last Monday night, and they had 1,300 pre-sales for that game last week, uh, which, uh, for context, um, I think the the highest crowd last year was about 1,400. Um, I think we ended up with 1,600 uh, last Monday night, um, and that was on a Monday, Monday night in school holidays. So, yeah, the, the people in Hawke's Bay love their basketball. Um, it's been an up-and-down season in terms of results, but... I think that's just reflective of what a good league it is this this year. I mean, you know, going all the way down to the Wellington Saints in eighth, who had a shocking start to the season, they can still quite conceivably get into that top six 
And you, you simply wouldn't want to not only call the top six at the moment, you wouldn't want to call the top two. And as for trying to guess the winner, who knows? It's been a, I think it's been a really, really good season for the sales NBL. Thank you. Aidan McLaughlin, uh, enjoy the basketball tonight. Andrew Gordy, enjoy Sex in the City. Uh, and uh, we'll catch up with you again at, at, at some point very shortly. That was the panel today. Uh, we will have another one tomorrow. And as Gord said, we may have to wait till tomorrow to get anything from New Zealand rugby on the burgeoning issues that need sorting. It is uh, 10.41. It's Harness Racing New Zealand Pacing for Purpose Season 2. Yes, and we're raising money for our charity, Women's Refuge, and uh, tomorrow, it is no, Sunday it is, in fact, we've got to wait two or three days, absolutely, Sunday at 1.51pm, uh, race three, number four, can't do it alone, can't do it alone, uh, unusual spelling, so look out for that, uh, race three, number four, Addington, Sunday, 1.51, to get some more money, and of course, of uh, Harness Racing, get amongst it on uh, hrnz.co.nz and join Mick and Greg every Sunday from 12 o'clock. The coverage of all the harness racing action from across New Zealand. Uh, lots of fascinating interviews as well. And that is uh, on Trot's Talk. All thanks to the great New Zealanders at Harness Racing New Zealand. And speaking of great New Zealanders, you've been fantastic on the text machine this morning. So let's get through a few of them. Uh, Sheree Kaka is uh, my favourite, Black Fern. She is hilarious on their videos on social media and her story of going out on her own and giving it one big crack and then managing to pick up a spot on the contracts list is pretty inspiring. Thanks for that, James. Remembering that uh, Logan is going to make a decision on who gets the book, uh, Seven's Sisters, written by Ricky Swinnell very shortly. Choosing a favourite Black Fern would be like choosing a favourite child. Impossible. The whole team are a credit to women's sport. They are always front and centre regardless of the circumstances and inspire millions at home and worldwide. New Zealand's best sport export. I'll, buy, I'll be buying the book, Charlie. You might not need to. Uh, Logan might uh, appreciate that one. Kelly Brazier is my favourite. Uh, seeing that uh, try at the 2018 Com Games turned me into a fan for life of this great team. Cheers, Mark from Christchurch. Ruby Tui is a crack-up. She's my favourite. Um, Kieran Fell comes in and says, Portia Woodman, favourite Blackfern Sevens player. Cheers. Uh, Chris has said Portia Woodman is my favourite fern for obvious reasons, her strength, her speed, her sheer willpower to turn a game her way. Uh, Brendan, favourite seventh player, was 110% Sarah Hirani. That girl is awesome, the way she plays, but more the way she leads the team. Just absolute pure mana. Jim from Tamuka, seven sisters captain, Sarah Hirani, the leader who put everything into it and led by her play on the field and even more importantly by her actions off the field. Uh, my favourite Blackfern Sevens player is Sarah Hurney. Uh, this is from Simon Rush. Uh, reason why is she has been the driver of this waka. She embodies all that the team represents and is the inspiration leading all her fellow players over many, many years. Thanks for that and thanks uh, so many for your texts. Uh, so of you, uh, we've got uh, so many more to read out and we'll do that uh, very shortly. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. Louis Herman Watt joins us today on a day in Hawke's Bay where I can tell you, Louis Herman Watt, that's uh, overcast, but boy, it's been raining uh, here. Yesterday we copped quite a lot, so it will be wet for the eight races starting at about eight minutes to 12 on the Hastings race course today. 
Yeah, Smithy, it is going to be weird. I think I, I think I like the favourite in the first as well. Uh, while the track hasn't been completely demolished, I like a claimer in these wet tracks, as I've been saying. And Lily Sutherland, I reckon, as an apprentice, rides pretty much better than any of the others. Um, there are some good apprentices out at the moment, though. It's very promising for the jockey ranks. But Rock Island line, uh, it's got nice form lines behind it. It just ran in behind Ladies Man, who I know the Sharrock Barn have a huge opinion of last start. It actually bet in Serio Home, who Marsh is rating as one of his better wet trackers at the moment as well. And it, um, look, it finished strongly there. Uh, it's a rating 74, so it gets the top weight. But with that claimer, it gets down to 56 and a half. So the $2.50 is short enough. I'd love a little drift. And I can see the punters coming for Kusada and Sacred Pearl as well. So hopefully there is a little drift. And something closer to 3 bucks. I think Rock Island line could be a way to start the day. And then this weekend, Smithy, the Openaki Cup. I'm going to be on track down there in uh, New Plymouth. You, you got a bit of time for the Taranaki region, mate? I like the Taranaki region. I play a lot of cricket there at Pukakura Park. And uh, it, and uh, every time you go across into a rugby game there, you always feel very welcome. So, yeah, I like the people over there. So, uh, well, Kerry Hobbs uh, is hosting you. Who, who else down there looking at? The, the Sharrock brothers looking after you? Well, we're there with the good oil. Um, Clado, Steve McKee, the crew. Um, yeah, so I am, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting down there. And, and uh, I think Bruce Sharrock will be on track because he shares in the ownership of Just Ask Me. Which is drifting very unusually, seven fifty to eight fifty, which means no Tony Kemp or Alan Sharrock haven't had a bet. And he came on the show this morning and look, Darcy LaBella is the deserved favourite. Three twenty into two dollars seventy, already taken fifty cents off the price. Uh, I think it's gotta be the the probably look, I don't be tipping it out as a best bet just yet. I want to have a look at the rest of the card. But I, I love the way Darcy LaBella's um, weighted here. Senior jockey Lisa all press on. And there are chances galore. But as Alan said, they haven't necessarily been going that good with that lightweight. Mount Vento has. Uh, Naranajan Palmer gets on um, from Barrier 12. Just can he stick with the kind of class of Just Ask Me, your, your crystallizers and your Darcy LaBella's. Not too sure. Ocelletta drifting on the backup. Um, wow, yeah, Marshy doesn't... I don't necessarily see them back up that often from his barn, but it won so well last start, the deep field mare. So we'll see whether she stays in. And there are plenty more chances on the card. We just need to wait for the odds before we tip them out because the uh, wily TAB will be all over us like a rash otherwise. Lean forward. Uh, just lean forward with your headphones and I'll just whisper one in your ear. Uh, Louis Herman Watt. Uh, John Barry's got one starting today. He's got four, I think, going over to the races today. Uh, she's so reliable. Just keep that under your hat. I hope no one else heard. She's so reliable. I did see that right. in, in the in the uh, in the yellow bib. Okay, interesting. Mm. At Hastings mm. today, okay. Smithy. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. All right. No problem at all. Thanks. All uh, right. Get the voice level up to the normal level now and uh, welcome in Pip Morris. Pip Morris uh, on behalf of the TAB, and it's a hugely busy day again, being Thursday. Pip uh, racing at Cambridge. Uh, racing at Addington with the Greyhounds. 24 races in all, beginning at one minute past midday. Good morning, Smithy. Yes, certainly big day. I, I like one at Cambridge, too, for a bit of value for anyone. Kia Viking in race six at sevens and $2. Really wants the inside alley, and just think he's over the odds of anyone wanting to play at Cambridge Dogs today. And for the sports side of things, of course, the round 19 for the NRL kicks off tonight. And still the Eels are the favoured way, Smithy, in that market. $1,000 on them at $1.63 in the head-to-head market. Another 1000 on the Eels, 13 or more at 3 30 
And there has been a little spitting on the Raiders as well. $1,000 on them head to head at 129. And of course, the Warriors fans are out in force. At one and a half k on them, one to twelve at five dollars. And just quickly, too, of course, it is fight for life this evening. And there's been uh, the best back fighter in that market is Joshua Francis, currently at two twenty. And that fight smith is also the best backed on the card as well, followed by Tammy Davis versus Jay, Jay Reed. So be really interesting to watch that and, and see how they go. And you can have a little tickle as well if you want. Oh, that's a, a, interesting. That's Pampalone and Joshua Francis. That's uh, like a title fight as well. Uh, thanks very much yeah. for that, uh, Pip, that information. Yeah, get into that market, folks, by the way. Have a great day, Pip. Um, and uh, honestly, you get into that fight for life market. That's an interesting one uh, to consider. I'm going to run my finger over that one as well. Uh, big raps, big raps on uh, Jerome and Andre Mikhailovich uh, from Liam Lonigan this morning. Mm, money to be made, me thinks. Money to be made right uh, after uh, 11 o'clock. It's time to talk the beautiful game, and I've missed Ricardo Ball in a footballing sense. So we'll have him very, very shortly. Uh, in the meantime, though, it's time for the lovely Aroha with our 11 o'clock update. Lovely ball for Dallo, who keeps it in, and it sits beautifully for Anthony Martial. Bye, that's a decent ball through for Rashford. One of with Paul Izzo, and Marcus Rashford. Here's Martial, picks the pocket. Of Matthews, Van der Beek picks up the pieces, cuts it back in, and Rashford is there. And it's Jaden Sancho for Manchester United. He makes it three. It's really opening up at the MCG. Well, there's always one way to get on Ricardo Ball's good side, and that's to play good action from Manchester United scoring goals. And that makes him in a very good mood very quickly. And it feels really just like yesterday where Manchester City won the Premier League title. Real Madrid won the Champions League. And Liverpool kissed goodbye to what could have been a potential quadruple of football titles for the season. Uh, the off-season in football doesn't seem to last that very long, though, does it? Uh, we managed to give Ricardo Ball a few weeks off from his uh, regular Thursday slot. But he's back at least today. Uh, to ke- help give us a rundown on what's been happening in the beautiful game. R- welcome back, Ricardo, and I'm amazed you're not in Australia. That close that close to your beloved and you didn't make the trip? Oh, I know, mate. I know the, the conversations were had. The conversations were had, but I've got a big birthday this year, Smithy, and uh, it was uh, the, the better half, the financial manager of the household, said, well, you can do this or you can do that. Um, and so I had to make the call, unfortunately, mate. But... Last time they were in Aussie, I was over there. And, of course, I've been over to the UK and seen them a few times. So I, I, I had to keep my powder dry. Hopefully, uh, in the next year or two, we can get up to um, Blighty and, and see them in Old Trafford. 30th birthday at, at the MCG. I would have thought that would be pretty good, the 30th. <laughs> mate, 30th, yeah. 20 years ago would have been great. Would have been great, yeah. <laughs> mate, the big 5-0 coming up shortly. I'm catch, catching you, Smithy. Oh, my God, Father. Uh, okay, let's get into some football before we get really scared. Uh, before getting to Australia, uh, man, you enjoyed a 4-0 win over Liverpool and Thailand. Um, okay, it's pre-season and that, but uh, anyone's a good one. Yeah, for sure. You know, particularly after the year United had had last season. Um, so it was fantastic to see the, the way the team's playing. They've certainly changed the style. You can see Eric Ten Hag's influence. Uh, there's a lot more pressing earlier, further up the field, you know, defending from the front, if you like. And then when in possession, it's all about keeping possession uh, and quick play of the ball. So last season, one of the things that United fans were critical of was 
you know, we passed the ball sideways and back a lot, and we did it at a pretty pedestrian pace, which allowed teams to cover uh, gaps that were created. But the, the pace has certainly been, been upped, and of course, uh, we're seeing them being busier in the transfer market of late as well, which is which is good to see. And you know, you look at that Liverpool game, and the way it started was that United pretty much started what was the strongest available eleven. No Cristiano Ronaldo, of course, but. Uh, they started their strongest possible 11 and Liverpool effectively started like a second string team and United put them to the sword they were up 3-0 at half time and in the second half Liverpool brought on their A-team you know their Virgil van Dijk's their Allisons their Mo Salas and United did the opposite they they brought on the kids uh, and second stringers but still managed to keep Liverpool out and score a goal so I think that's positive signs because you're seeing a system in place that you know you can move pieces in and out of and it still operates reasonably uh, similarly and I think that'll just get better and better the more time they, they spend under Ten Hag. Okay, uh, on to um, Melbourne and then uh, a victory over Crystal Palace uh, during which uh, the appearance, uh, the skipper Harry Maguire copped a bit of flack. What, what was the reason behind that, would you know? Well, he got a lot of flack last year. Um, he he had a he had a very poor season by his standards last season, and there was a lot of talk. United fans wanted him gone, wanted him out of the club. Um, he was getting booed at the end of last season on the field for United, and you know he was making mistakes. He was giving possession away. At times, he didn't look fit, and I wondered whether or not he was playing with an injury because he had the turning circle of the Titanic at times, Smithy. Um, and I think it's a bit of a hangover from that. Uh, so it's disappointing to see, given it's a new season. Eric Ten Hag has said that he is going to be his captain again this year, which would suggest that he's going to play him. And, that, you know, those boos happened at the MCG early in the game, but they sort of subsided by about halfway through the first half because he had a reasonably good game. He had a shot not far away from target that got applauded as well. So I think uh, it's a vocal minority, Smithy, and uh, hopefully we see that die away. So uh, Eric Ten Hag's uh, introduction into the club, uh, has it been, um, in your mind, a successful one? Uh, uh, aside from the results, I, I'm, I'm talking in terms of his roster, etc., uh, and the way he's been received? Yeah, I think so. I, I think uh, United have got somebody who, he's a bit of a disciplinarian. He's laid down rules um, of, of what he expects. And I think, you know, for too long, there were a lot of guys at the club who, one of a better term, Smithy, were piss takers, uh, you know, and they've managed to get rid of a few of those, and the likes of Lingard and and Pogba and people like that. Uh, and so now there is accountability on the players. They have a structure. They have expectations to meet. There's a fine system. There's a if you if you're late for this, you're not playing in the next game uh, type type scenario. So he's put, he's instilling a discipline that maybe the club hasn't had for a while, and that's good to see as well as a way to play. And he's. Um, you know, really impressing his expectations on the club. I, I think the, the fans are, are on board, and I think the players, if you're not on board, you're out the door. Um, and I think that's, that's probably a positive from a United point of view. And it's now, you know, uh, we've brought in, I think, three players so far in United. Um, Martinez, the Argentinian centre-back uh, out of Ajax. Um, we've got a, a new... Uh, left back Martel who's come in from Feyenoord so he obviously knows the Dutch game very well he's brought those guys in and signed Christian Eriksen on a free transfer as well it cost the club nothing um, to bolster the midfield stock so expect a bit more movement as well Smithy because uh, they're, they're trying to get Frankie de Jong over the, over the line from Barcelona That's that's been rumbling on for a while they are looking at Yuri Tielemans from Leicester and potentially Ruben Neves from, from Wolves as well and you know 
there's question marks over, as I mentioned, Cristiano Ronaldo's future. Is, is he going to be at the club next season? Uh, well, there's a guy, Scamaca, who I believe they're looking at from Sassuolo in Italy as a striker. Um, so the, I think there's a bit of business to be done before we uh, we see the full United squad for this coming season. Uh, what are we looking at here again? Uh, looking um, at these early stages of uh, the squad settling, etc., across the board, are we looking at another... Uh, two or three pronged title race where, and then looking at the bottom of the table to see if those promoted can survive is that what we're looking at again or do we have a sleeper in the mix I think we have, might have a sleeper in the mix mate and I think it might be your team Spurs, I think um, under Antonio Conte they've done some really really good business, uh, they've brought in some uh, big defensive replacements uh, and they've also brought in uh, some players in the midfield. They've, they've brought in uh, even Perisic, the Croatian, who's been at Inter Milan, who can play either as an out-and-out winger or he can play as a wing-back as well, so Conte can move his system around. Uh, and I, I think, you know, the Spurs, the, the season could be could be a smoky, could be a smoky, not just to make the top four, but to actually upset the likes of City and Liverpool and, and potentially even Chelsea, who have had a bit of an upheaval. Cool. OK, look forward to that. Uh, what I also yeah. look forward to, from my point of view anyway, uh, Ricardo, is uh, a change of broadcaster for the uh, Premier League, uh, English Premier League, back in New Zealand, back uh, to Sky Sport exclusively for the next six years. So uh, good news for Sky subscribers, I guess, uh, for those who uh, have got Spark, not such good news. Good move for football, you think, in the country, though? I think so, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, you would know better than I would, but I, I mean, I look at... I applaud what Spark's doing, and the fact that you've got a competitor in the market means that you know Sky need to need to sharpen up um, you know some of the ways they operate, which we've seen in the past. Maybe haven't have they've been the only they've been a one-stop shop, so they can kind of dictate to providers. Well, now it's not so much. There is a bit of competition, which I think is good. But you know, I don't think New Zealand cricket have reaped the rewards of going to Spark in terms of eyes on the game, eyes on the product. Um, so I think from a football point of view and from a Premier League point of view, it's great because I think there's a lot more people watching Sky than are watching Spark. And, you know, as a as a football fan, it's great to have it back on Sky. And, uh, you know, it's just how they deliver it. I'm, I'm really interested to see how the delivery is going to go because the thing that we've had previously with Spark as an online platform is that I could get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and choose, you know, so if there's half a dozen games on, I could which, uh, watch whichever game I wanted to. And I could either start it live from the start or, you know, if I get up and, you know, I've missed the first half hour, I can just jump in there or I can go back to the start. So it was it was quite a flexible platform on Spark. I'm just interested to see how Sky replicate that. But I think in general it's positive and I think it, it's great for Sky. It'll probably bring some numbers back for them, Smitty. And um, it's, a, it's a great product to have. I mean, as a football fan... It is a little bit uh, a little bit frustrating because Spark have still got the Champions League and all the European competitions, and they've got the World Cup, so you still kind of need to have both. It's interesting, all right. It really is. There was uh, talk, uh, and I'm talking domestically now, um, in terms of uh, the Wellington Phoenix. There was talk that perhaps uh, Roy Krishna. I remember reading the headlines and uh, the possibility of him uh, returning to the Phoenix, but uh, he's decided to sign with uh, an Indian club in Bengaluru Football Club. Uh, it's a bit of a blow. Uh, yeah, well, I'm not entirely sure that it is, to be honest, Smithy. I mean, he's 34. Um, you know, a key piece of his game is his pace. And at 34, we all, wait, we all know that, you know, that's when the uh, you start to drop a little bit of that pace. So 
given the you know the Indian League isn't up to the same standard as the A League in terms of a level, um, and you know there's a lot of money floating around over there, so all power to them for taking the opportunity. But I don't really know if the Phoenix were ever really in for him. I think they got Costa Barbarossa's back, and I think that's a shrewd move. I think Costa's a better player, has played at a better level for a longer period of time. Um, so yeah, I wasn't too upset to see Krishna go there. And to be honest, I hadn't heard a lot about the club uh, in terms of the Phoenix really looking at them as a serious prospect. So uh, I'd expect they are, they are looking offshore and I expect maybe um, David Ball's uh, well-thumbed contacts book is getting a bit of a workout with uh, Ufuk Calais and, and maybe we'll see somebody, another Gary Hooper, pop, uh, pop out here and, and be signed for the Phoenix this season. OK, uh, let's uh, look at uh, the women's Phoenix uh, side of things. Um, and... Uh, they missed out on re-signing football fern striker Grace uh, Jail, but managed to pick up Paige Satchel. Yeah, and that's a great move. Uh, I mean, Grace is a very good player, but she's very she's still a young, developing player. Whereas Paige, is, she's had a lot more experience. She's had a season at Canberra. She's had a season at Sydney FC. She's 24, uh, and she comes into the side now, and she'll she'll be a mainstay of the team. The thing that she offers is she's got a lot of pace, Smithy. She's one of the quickest players in the league. Um, so I think Alyssa Winham, who they also signed on a two-year deal, will play as a very much like a playmaker, either a false nine or a ten. And I look forward to her com- combining, you know, with Paige, who, who tends to play as a sort of a wider forward. I guess if you you wanted to put this in uh, and easy to understand for the uh, for, for football fans who maybe don't follow the women's game as closely, this is effectively like uh, what Bayern Munich have done in bringing Sadio Mane in and losing Robert Lewandowski, right? So Jale was a traditional nine who played down the middle, um, whereas Paige Satchel is more the Mane-type player. She's the pace player that plays wider and then cuts in. So I think that's probably the easiest way to describe it. But I think it's a great move for the Phoenix, and I think it makes them a better team uh, going forward. I think it's a bit, she's a better player at this stage than Grace. I think Grace will become a better player, but she is still very young, and I think uh, there's a great signing for the Phoenix women's team. Uh, they've uh, re-signed uh, Lily Alfield will be here this morning, just uh, hot off the press as well. So uh, the captain from last year re-signs. Yeah, which is great. You know, she's she's a captain. She's a steady voice. Uh, she's a good goalkeeper. She's through her form and with the Phoenix women's team. She's forced her way into the football ferns set up as well. And, uh, you know, I think that's something to, to think about. Uh, I talked to Gemma Lewis, the coach of the women's next team, who's also the coach of the under-20 uh, ferns, earlier in the week and uh, they have the under 20 women's world cup kicking off on the 10th of august in costa rica so they're out of here at the end of the month and she said that they were confident they'd have 75 percent of the squad confirmed by then which means we've probably got another 10 or 12 signings to come in the next uh, sort of 10 days or so smithy so uh watch the space because there's going to be more but you know we've got mckenzie barry in there for another year as a defensive uh defensive player she's very good lily at the back Alyssa Wynnum, who can play several roles in the midfield and is very much a playmaker. I think Gemma will build the team around her. And then, as we talked about, Paige Satchel. So I think it's, the side is coming together uh, really well. I think it'll be a lot more competitive this season coming than it was last season. And, uh, you know, it's great to see, too, that Alyssa Wynnum and being given a two-year deal, it really shows that the Phoenix are, are committing to the women's program post-World uh, Cup. Well, uh, post-World uh, Cup and on the subject of uh, World Cup, of course, uh, too, Ricardo, um, we've got players playing uh, all around the world and uh, confirmed that uh, 
Vicky Sin has uh, gone to uh, Rangers, which is a hell of an iconic club, um, and also in Scotland as well. Michaela Moore playing for Glasgow and Katie Rood for Hearts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, Scotland seems to be the place to be at the moment. We've also got uh, Olivia Chance playing at Celtic. So, you know, she's mm. been there for a couple of seasons now. It's, uh, it's fantastic to see. And that Scottish uh, league is on the up and up. They're really uh, improving. Uh, there's, a, there's a team there, you've mentioned it, you know, traditionally in the men's game, the Glasgow teams are Celtic and Rangers, but there's actually a, a team in Scotland who have dominated the women's scene for a long time just called Glasgow City. Uh, and so you've got those three clubs there. Then you've got, you know, Hearts out of Edinburgh as well. Dundee United are new to that league. And it's, uh, it, it's really strengthening and growing and those teams compete in Europe. And I think it's a really good place for our players to get to. It's probably easier to be signed there than it is in England in a lot of ways. But at the same time, you're on the doorstep of that English Women's Super League and you're in the shop window. So I think, yeah, great moves all round. And you know, it's good to see we've got so many players playing at such a good level heading into a World Cup. I think it's going to make Yipke Klimkova's job uh, quite difficult when it comes to picking that squad because we've got so many players playing uh, in so many good leagues around the world. So important that we perform uh, with credibility at home as well uh, in that tournament, uh, which is now, uh, Ricardo, uh, a year out, basically, a year uh, less than a year out. It's 364 days, um, I mm-hmm. think, according to our calendar. Um, and on, the, on a good note, there was uh, India Paige Riley, who's decided to uh, put her allegiance uh, to the football ferns as opposed to uh, overseas with the Masildas. Yeah, there's, uh, there's been a couple of players actually that um, have managed to you know, they've managed to get across, um, you know, who are, who are eligible for both teams, and uh, she's the latest, which is which is great news. I mean, part of the deal that the Phoenix have got uh, with the Australian A League is that the team that they put in has to have. Uh, of the squad of, I think, 18 that they have to have is the minimum size. They can go up to 20, but there have to be seven players who uh, have Australian passports. And, and, you know, this is actually, I, I think, maybe backfired slightly on the on the Australians because they've gone and targeted players who have got Australian passports but could be potentially eligible to play for New Zealand. And uh, we've seen a couple of those converted now. This, this is great news. Uh, it just gives us more depth, more players to choose from, and... I think it's a, it's a real positive and it shows that New Zealand football are going in the right direction with the development of women's football. Um, of interest too is that uh, FIFA the 23, the video game, which is massive around the world, let's be fair, huge uptake on those. Um, this uh, year, the cover will be Sam Kerr from the Matildas uh, and that may be an indication or a reflection of the Women's World Cup not too far away and an Australian uh, being the co-host as well as the fact that she's becoming... A pretty well-known footballer. Yeah, she. I mean, she'd be one of the biggest names now in women's football. You know, um, up there with the likes of Megan Rapone and Marta and and uh, Alex Morgan as well. So, yeah, great for her to be on the cover. I mean, I, I was talking uh, a couple of months ago to someone around Sam Curran, You know, female athletes to what they're earning um, at that top level. Obviously, you know, in English football in the men's game is awash with money. But, I mean, Sam Kerr, I, uh, I believe, is being paid about £600,000 a year to play for Chelsea and then has over a million, uh, a million US dollars in endorsements as well, Smitty. So she is creaming it. And you've got to think that being on the cover of that FIFA 23 game is only going to make that better. Ricardo, just finally, you'll be watching the uh, opening ceremony of the Commonwealth Games because uh, your two favourite bands are playing, Duran Duran and Black Sabbath. How cool. 
<laughs> yeah, how cool indeed. Uh, yeah, that's good. that's good. I didn't know that, Smithy. So that, that's good news. That's good news. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to that. We'll uh, I'll have to dust off my copy of Arena and get Wild Boys blasting in the lounge uh, leading in leading in. Uh, we might even have to introduce that as the theme song for the uh, for extra time going forward. I think that would be a very, very good move, mate. Uh, and it was always a good move getting you on. Uh, thank you very much for your, your knowledge and uh, your update on the uh, in-between season time for most leagues in football. Thanks, Ricardo. Catch up soon, pal. Thank you. Sounds good, brother. We'll do. Bye-bye. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Ricardo Ball there, folks. Uh, our man in football, the beautiful game, which is back on Sky in terms of the Premier League anyway, but uh, it's just spread around the world globally. The rights are absolutely huge. Um, and we know, of course, uh, even to stay in the Premier League in uh, England, like what they call it the biggest game in football is the promotion relegation game because for Nottingham Forest this year in particular, they were the beneficiaries of uh, getting into that, that promotion and all of a sudden the club has some serious dosh to play with. It's 11.22 here on SENZ uh, and we shall be back very shortly. It is uh, 11.28 here on SENZ and uh, Jeff uh, Jeff, the ref has phoned up. Uh, was like uh, talking to Jeff. Uh, thanks for your patience, mate. What's on your mind? Yeah, I'm sort of been struggling to bring you buggers up. Just yeah, the last fortnight's been toughing up, and um, so I've decided I've really a bit of I've listened to some good uh, talk back with Dino and the team, and um, <clears throat> yeah, like I started watching rugby when I was four years old. Mate, with my grandfather, you know, this is the Bill McLaren. Just to watch it in black and white, turn the old TV sound down and turn up the old radio and, you know, watch the Grand Maury win the Grand Slam and, and go right through. And, you know, we've had ups and downs. We know John Hart's horse got booed down the... I think it was winning, wasn't it? You know, uh, mm. and Mitchell, they've all had tough times at some of the, the teams that they've coached over the years and we hate losing, you know. Like, I'm very passionate, but I went down to the Dunners test, mate, and looking forward to it. Just got out of bloody COVID, so I was a bit still crocked, but I went down there to support the, the ABs, and those Irishmen were still smashing each other 10 minutes before they went in to get ready for the kickoff, and our boys were just trying to pull a few balls around, and I left. This was the first time I've left, walked out of the stadium with 20 minutes to go, because I just disappointed on their. Uh, passion and commitment really and then the third test I turned the TV off at 20 minutes ago I've never done that in my sporting life I just yeah I'm, we're all hurting and I'm, I'm struggling really um, and it's not going to be easy for Kane and Fozzie to turn it around I think they're you know, um, I don't know they need support they definitely need support because mentally they won't be there for, for the box so they need a lot of support and I suppose we really need to get them behind them it's, Supporters, you know. So, so Jeff, on that on that note, you'd be pre you're prepared for to carry on with the same re regime as such, but and be a bit more patient. Yeah, yeah, we we showed a bit of patience with some of our other coaches, and it, it. But I mean, if I was to be, if we lose the two tests over the, you know, which is going to be a bloody tough ask, but if we lose those two, then obviously we've got to make changes, and I. 12 months out, and you know, I agree with, with uh, your comments too about you know bringing Smith, Smith, Smith in, and uh, we've got to get that you know tight fire forward pack going because uh, you know we've been smashed twice against uh, the Irish now, and 
against England, smashed up front, and that'll just continue into the World Cup if we don't do something about it, you know. And um, so it's a, it's a team culture. We'll get the culture right. Um, but we've got to pick those lads up. I don't know how they're going to do it. Really. I don't know how they're going to... They've been smashed by you know by all of us in the media and that the last two weeks. And uh, some of those lads will be struggling with that. Um, so we've really got to get them behind them, give them a chance, and, um, and then make those hard calls after the South Africa tour, really. Jeff, um, thanks very much for your patience. Uh, I love your sentiments there, and I, I think you're dead right. Uh, I think um, whilst the, uh, we're a team we can't tolerate losing, we just have to. Uh, I think you're absolutely spot on there. Uh, I think you've uh, made a prediction that's probably going to come to the, the fore when they have that press conference tomorrow. Although we are getting some interesting texts and in about a theory or two behind the scenes. So I'll, I'll make sure that we read them out uh, in the next half hour. Um, Jeff, thanks, thanks, uh, thanks again for your call. We're going to uh, have a crack at uh, Stump Smithy now, 0800 150 811. 0800 150 Robbie's got the headphones on. He is poised. The calls are going to light up very shortly. Uh, and uh, we shall take the opportunity to give you the opportunity. In the meantime, here's uh, Araha with the news. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yeah, time for stumps with uh, Ian Smith here on SNZ Mornings and uh, producer Logan Swingles, of course. Pad up and grab your bats, everyone, because up for grabs today is $50. TAB bonus band Smithy, I know you were really fired up yesterday. I believe that might be what Izzy was referring to when you did the, the crossover uh, before the start of the show. How are you feeling going into this one? Well, I was frustrated yesterday you know, with my performance. Uh, so I've had uh, a, a, good, a jolly good chat to myself, and uh, I think we're, we're better prepared today being Thursday. So it uh, depends, of course, uh, on the subjects uh, at hand and uh, who the oppo is, the opposition. Who have we got this morning? First, uh, who, who leads the inspirational uh, halftime chats there in your household? Me. Me. <laughs> I, think, no, I, I don't get any support from anyone else. All right. Well, Beautiful. first on the line, we have Damon from Palmy. Come in, Damon. G'day, how are you? Doing good, mate, doing good. I'll give you the subjects. I know Smithy's hankering to hear them. Uh, this is your picks today, Damon, and everyone else listening in, you can always play along. The Wellington Phoenix, the Ranfurly Shield, and boxing. Take your pick. Ooh, I'll go for uh, Ranfurly Shield. Nice. Here we go. Good luck. Of course, Ram Philly Shield topic very near and dear to Smithy's heart, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's only uh, 10 days away, I think, till the next challenge, which is Poverty Bay. So uh, look forward to that. All right. First question for you, Damon. Damon, uh, I keep want to say Damon. Uh, which NPC side holds the record for the shortest tenure of the Ram Philly Shield? Ooh, would it be Taranaki? I have ever seen done on a cricket field. There you go, Richie Beno coming oh. there late. Smithy, over to you. Hawks Bay. That's a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. That is correct. Hawks Bay, Smithy, six days back in 2013 before they handed the shield over to counties 
Manukau, of course, you got your mitts firmly entrenched on that shield right now. So back to the pavilion for you, Damon. Up next, Kevin from Carpety. Come in, mate. Hi. G'day. You feeling, uh, you, how are you feeling about your Ranfilly shield knowledge here, Kevin? Uh, it's been a while since I've followed the rugby. <laughs> if they're a bit more historical, I might have a chance, but probably not. <laughs> been a hell of a long time since Horofanoa Kapiti had it too, I can promise you that. Uh, anyway, Kevin, <laughs> Kevin, good luck. Good luck. Well, potentially, you may be in luck here. We'll see how you go, mate. Question number two. Name the Auckland rugby legend who holds the record to this day from 1993 for the most tries scored in a Ranfilly Shield match. Nice. I'll go, I'll go with Kerwin, but John Kerwin, but... Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Right oh, in my the God. And away it goes. That's right. Sir John Kerwin, get this. Eight tries, 40 points against North Otago when they won 139-5, to five, Smithy. That's showing off. I mean, Sir JK, that, I know he's probably <laughs> left. He's left town. I think he's off to Italy anyway, so he won't be hearing me. But that's, mate, you, you, would you not just look for someone on field that you could pass it to <laughs> so they could score a Ramfilly Shield try? Eight. That is greedy. That is seriously greedy. Anyway, well done, Kevin. Good luck. Yeah, last question for you, mate. On the line, $50 TAB bonus bet. Which player has appeared in more Ranfilly Shield matches than any other? Uh, I guess Ooh. it'll be someone from their Auckland, Auckland tenure of the 80s again. Um, I'll go I, again, just to uh, Sean Fitzpatrick. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Oh, Fitzy, yeah. such a good guess. Smithy. Interesting. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you're barking up the right tree there with uh, people who have uh, played the most games. Uh, look, I'm, I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go Zinzan Brock. There you go. One of the worst things I have ever seen <laughs> done on a cricket field. Oh, I feel like I said this the other day, Smithy, but I think you're going to kick yourself when I tell you the answer. Grant Fox, 57 games. Okay, Foxy. Oh, I didn't realise that. He probably had the most points as well, I would imagine, on the back of that then. Because uh, he would have kicked eight conversions the day that John Kerwin scored eight tries. Uh, <laughs> uh, hey, look. Here's the good thing, Kevin. You've won. The good news is you've won, mate. Okay. And uh, honestly, you're going to get uh, a chemist warehouse voucher um, uh, to the value uh, of... Uh, no, sorry, TAB voucher to the value of 50 bucks. And Robbie, uh, stay on the line. Robbie will get your details from you and we'll make sure that you get that as soon as possible. Thanks for playing, mate, and congratulations. Have a great day. Cheers, Billy. Thanks. Cheers. Uh, 11.40 here on SENZ. We'll be back with some, uh, some more texts. And uh, we've also got a greyhound for charity as well to announce. Yeah, we're going pretty well on the side of it, uh, to be perfectly honest with the Greyhounds. Uh, we're well over $1,000 to give to uh, Women's Refuge, so that's good, and we want to add to that, and we're going to try and do that uh, thanks to Greyhound Racing New Zealand by backing a race for number four uh, tomorrow at uh, Addington, three minutes to one in the afternoon, that race will be. Uh, the dog is called No Tactics. No Tactics is the dog concern race for number four Addington tomorrow afternoon you can tune in uh, every Sunday on, here on SCNZ from 11 to 12 for Greyhound Racing New Zealand's dog speed 
hosted by two legendary greyhound experts and callers in Mark Rosanowski and Andy McCook. So don't miss a beat with Greyhound Racing, New Zealand's dog speed. The texts continue to come in, um, uh, particularly uh, around the Sevens sisters as well. Uh, Rick, the first chaser, has said, my favourite Sevens player and favourite memory from the Olympics was the reaction of Tyler Nathan Wong at the final whistle. For elite players who mainly keep things in control, she just let everything uncontrollably go. When I saw that, I, along with many other people, did the same thing. Thanks very much for that, Rick. Of course, uh, uh, Tyler Nathan Wong is also uh, the queen of restarts. She's absolutely fantastic with that uh, little jinky thing she does and uh, keeps the opposition guessing. Um, here's another one. I've got a feeling that a lot of people, this is an interesting, Ra, uh, I, I get the feeling that lots of people behind the scene are being given the opportunity to get their ducks in a row so as to save face before the New Zealand Rugby Union decision. Now, that's an interesting perspective uh, that I hadn't uh, thought of, uh, but it's uh, not just uh, Rahu said that. We've had other people uh, coming in as well. Tyson has said, I'm a league guy, but like Union, win the ruck, win the game. Uh, that is on evidence. Uh, when uh, you know that is on evidence, slow uh, on the defence, slow the ball down, and on attack, clean it efficiently. They are not going to take the pure logic of physics to win the ruck. They better implement a process to do it the other way. The current coach, coaching group uh, have had plenty of time to address this, and obviously have come up short. As a New Zealander, there is a emotional investment and emotional investment in this organisation, and the return on that investment has been poor over the last twelve to 18 months. Tyson, you're so right. Uh, people do feel very, very invested in the whole thing, uh, and that's why we get so many texts when we ask for it. Sarah Hirani, she is a great role model for young children uh, and also comes across as a very humble person. Uh, Smitty, how do you think New Zealand cricket's decision to go with Spark has worked out? I know as a cricket fan, I feel as I don't watch as much cricket as I used to, have uh, seen none of the English tour. Look, uh, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I haven't uh, seen a lot of it uh, either, James. Uh, I haven't got Spark. Um, but the, the thing is that the decision wasn't uh, was made for the coffers. Um, and, you know, now that, of course, uh, they have uh, made uh, women cricketers domestically uh, and uh, internationally on the same pay rate as uh, their male counterparts, that kind of money that they've got from Spark, which was uh, in excess of what Sky were prepared to pay, uh, is going towards that, you would assume. So they will say it's it's been beneficial to the game and beneficial to the players within the game. I'm not sure about the, the size of the viewing audiences. I know when they put it on TVNZ uh, every now and then, and I hasten to say every now and then, uh, they do get some good numbers. Uh, why wouldn't I? It, it's the, the main station in the country, free-to-air-wise. But that's not typical um, of the coverage. The, the typical of the coverage is test cricket uh, and the other games, which you do not see on free-to-air, and we haven't heard about the numbers on those and probably never will. But uh, it's it. It's, uh, it's interesting. Uh, Dino says the buck stops with Foster. At least they can point the finger at Fox because, of course, Grant Fox is now gone out of the equation. And Joe Smith, we're led to believe, is part of the equation. Incidentally, um, we've been running this competition this morning and we thank you for your texts. Uh, and uh, Logan will be announcing that in the next break, who the winner of uh, Ricky Swinnell's fine book, Seven's Sisters is, uh, and we thank you for all of your uh, interest in taking part in that. We shall be back uh, very shortly here on SENZ as we wind up our show and hand over to Mark Stafford. Uh, John has come in and said, hey, Smithy, let's be honest, Henry Smith-Hanson all had international experience and super wins, Plumtree, McLeod, Foster, 
have a small amount of international experience and zero super success. Three average coaches at super level having little success at the top. And so it continues. So it continues the fallout and um, <coughs> the guessing about uh, what is about to unfold in the next 24 hours, we are told. But what we can tell you is uh, who's been successful this morning. Logan, in uh, your competition for Ricky Swinnell's book, Seven's Sisters. Yes, Smithy, we had a lot of messages here on the Temper Bear Post text machine. A lot for Sarah Hidden, uh, a few for Michaela Blyde. I'll add none of them spell correctly. Ruby Tui is obviously a very popular, as is Portia Woodman. Uh, but we're going to give this one to Mark from Christchurch. Mark, we will be in touch for your pick. You've gone with Kelly Abrazia. Why, Smithy? Because seeing that try at the 2018 Com Games turned them into a fan for life of this great team. And this is how that try sounded. Can they counter? Straight down the middle of the park goes Brazier. The chase is on. Who is going to win? New Zealand. Brazier for the corner. Brazier's got the pace. Brazier will score. And New Zealand will win the gold medal. Fantastic moment in the history of uh, the women's seven teams, the Blackburn Sevens team, and uh, send, uh, by the look of things, it might have uh, sent shakes uh, down the spine of Mark Stafford as he uh, joins us this morning. You remember that moment well? Oh, fondly. It was uh, a get-off-the-couch moment and yell very immaturely. I was just so invested in that and still one of my favourite individual sporting moments of all time and I've talked to all of the people that were involved in that try. I, I, I talked to Sarah Hidney about it and um, she was on the ground and Portia Woodman was on the ground and they were looking up and Sarah said to me, if I wanted anyone in that situation, it was Kelly Brazier. She's not the farthest, uh, fastest but she's the, she's the gutsiest and it was just like she knew she would make it. Like it's just so fit and uh, oh, euphoric. Yeah. You're right up there with Bodie Barrett chasing Ben Smith's kick in 2015. Oh, yeah, go Bodie. Yeah, go Bodie. Yeah, that was another absolute ripper and a couple of Jonah Lomu moments as well. But I still put Kelly Brazier on the top. Uh, Mitch Hunt's drop goal was was another one that I, I'll always yeah. remember, but wasn't for my team, So, uh, but still fantastic. But not the Kelly Brazier one, top of the tree. Okay, uh, Steph, uh, speaking of top of the tree, what's top of the pops uh, in terms of... Uh, midday Madness today. Um, we've never had him on this show before, but he is a, a regular contributor, Steve Devine. Of course, we've got an all-black team to pick, Smithy. Um, that's The team's sort of taken a bit of a back step, but uh, we're hoping we're going to hear a squad tomorrow. So the changes he'd like to see, and just his observations of the last week uh, around New Zealand rugby. Also got Wayne Goldsmith. He's our coaching guru. We have on uh, semi-regularly about what he's made of it. Um, he, he's, a, he's a coach of coaches, this guy. So very interested to hear what guru Wayne Goldsmith's got. We've got Will, Ev- Will Evans and Fonzie. They are hosts of the This Warriors Life podcast, looking at this weekend for the Warriors and the big news that Reese Walsh ain't starting. And a really cool one with a woman by the name of Rachel Ray. Now, she rehomes greyhounds, Smithy, and she's got 50 greyhounds at home, and she has this, uh, brings them in, finds them homes, brings more in, finds them homes. It's her full-time job. She absolutely loves it. So I just want to ask her how she matches greyhounds with people, Smithy. Okay, uh, Steph, can I ask you on the eve of the announcement if there is to be one, what do you reckon? Status Pla- quo? Player-wise or coaching-wise? Coaching-wise. Coaching-wise, I think Joe Smith wears boots and a whistle. Um, I don't think it'll be co-coach 
at best, assistant coach uh, at least. Um, and I fear that one of the assistant coaches might be watching with us back here in New Zealand. Okay, right. Okay, one of its initials will be JP. We'll see. Um, or someone else. Uh, look, staff, uh, have a great show this afternoon. Uh, she'll look forward to listening to that. Uh, thanks to, very much to Araha with her fine work this morning. To Robbie, uh, who's been sitting in um, on the panel, uh, taking every call that's come in, and for you too, Logan. And great contest, uh, well received, well done. Thank you very much, everyone. See you tomorrow at nine. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.